Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, in this episode 315. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Stacy. That is at StacyPen89. Stacy, how are you doing on this wonderful Monday afternoon? Well, when you're unemployed, Monday is basically Saturday. So. Or Friday, even. Friday. Every gotta get down on Friday. So. <laughs> uh, yes, you do. And uh, before we get started, shout out to the like one or two people who probably get that reference. That's a very <laughs> dated reference, but uh, it's a very great song that came out once upon a time. Uh, before we get started, I'd make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has a YouTube channel which you can subscribe to right here if you're watching this channel right now. Please hit like and subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has an Instagram, which you can subscribe to. That is at the Strick.land on Instagram. We're posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has merchandise, which you can find on our website. All kinds of cool stuff on there. Hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, water bottles. You name it, we've got it. The Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico. That comes every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and write about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. And also, none of this would be possible without Bet Online, which is not loading the copy that I need to read, which is very, very frustrating. And I wish it would do that right now. Um, what are the odds but, it uh, it loads? Here, here we go. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Um, Before we start, sorry, Shwin, um, yeah. done with the ad read. Uh, there have been a couple of comments in the chat about your shirt. I think people appreciate it, but want to know what's on it. So, can you uh, can you enlighten us? Uh, there are some flags on it. There's a blue flag and a yellow and a red flag. Like country flags or no? They're just random design flags. Cool. Yeah, 
Nothing, and nothing crazy. Nemo Petitur wants to know if you do this out loud in your sleep as well. Uh, I do not. Um, that you but know. But I could. I might be. I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. You might have to ask my dog, who doesn't speak words. So uh, maybe you could train him to, like, you know, you have like you the yes or no thing. Your things. mother was right there, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you gotta you gotta do like the yes or no cards for the dogs. But yeah. Um, thank you for the comments on the shirts. Uh, I have. There's really not much Knicks related news. I guess there's one one thing that came up this past week um, of act like actual news, not just like people musing stuff. Um, we had first heard not not from a great source. It was one of those a uh, rival team exec said, uh, you know, quickly looking for something like four years, hundred million. Ian Begley was on the Low Post last week with Zach Love, obviously, and he mentioned something along the lines of, uh, you know, he thought an extension for quickly around eighteen and twenty million a year uh, was kind of what he was expecting. I think that's probably the team's angle. I would guess that. The previous leak, if it did come from somebody related to the Knicks, it would have been from Quickly's camp. I think they meet in the in the middle, something like $22, 23000000 million a year. Um, and I would be fine giving him that because I think he's not just worth it, but in the environment that the salary cap seems to be going in, um, where apparently, you know, there it's the max the cap can jump in a year is 10%. Uh, but I imagine it's going to be close to that 10% year on year. At least that's what most of the reporting and discussion has been. Uh, I would feel pretty comfortable giving him that contract. And, you know, whether that be because you want to keep him long term and that's a salary that you find palatable, or because that salary is one that you think will be an attractive salary to go out in a potential trade for a superstar, star, whatever. Um, package down the line. Uh, so uh, that was actually the one thing I thought that was interesting that actually happened in Knicks land over the last week or so. Not Summer League? I, it, the Knicks won two Summer League games. Don't care. Did not watch a second of it. Um, congratulations to Jalen Martin. Know that, remember the name Jalen Martin. Yeah. And QJ, what is it? QJ Peterson? Patterson? Who did it? Whatever he is. Uh, he had wrote a very lengthy Instagram post, um, which if you read it, Good job. Um, I think it. There's before that. I think some of the contracts. Like I just want to call out. There are a lot of people worried about Mitch's contract last year. Isaiah Stewart got four for sixty four, <laughs> which yeah, is I, funny I, I, because a lot of people who criticized Mitch's contract were like, "We could have just taken Duran at eleven. The team that took Duran just paid another big four for sixty four. I think the Mitch that contract is really fucking good right now. He's going to be making ten percent of the cap for like, you know. I know not we have varying levels, but everyone would agree he's at minimum an above average center. I actually think you think he's better than just an above average center, Mitch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, sub elite is the word I think I would use. So. Yeah, I, I was pretty worried. Not again. I I didn't think the number for sixty was that worrisome. I was more worried about the years. Um, and I didn't love what I saw from Mitch last year. There was good stuff, but I thought I mean, there was... the year a... before... Yeah, yeah, not... Yeah, yeah in 21-22. Not last year was... He was great last year. In 21-22, I thought he was very up and down, which, look, that's understandable. He's coming off an injury. Still didn't make me feel great. Um, but based on what we saw last year, I, I think he's kind of a... He's a pretty interesting player to me in the sense of, like, it's very, very easy to focus on 
the things he doesn't do because if he doesn't do things, he doesn't do them at all. Like he does not shoot. He does not pass the ball very well. Like I know he's gotten better at, you know, kicking out and stuff, but like, it's not like a great facilitator, not a great screen setter. Although he's gotten a little bit better at that. Um, And like to your point, yeah, like you said, he's got no real post moves, any of that shit, but the things he does, he doesn't just do, he does them at a fucking elite level. Like he is, at worst, the second-best offensive rebounder in the league. He is one of the best rim protectors, rim deterrents, however you want to particularly phrase that, in the league. I think he's become now one of the most impactful box-out defensive rebounder guys in the league. What does that mean in the aggregate? Sub-elite? Sure. Like, I think he's really, really good. And there's a bunch of centers in this kind of, like, like you mentioned, like I would say the elite group is what it's Jokic, who's in his own fucking tier as far as I'm concerned. Jokic, Embiid. He's in a different tier from the MVP. Yeah, he's, I think I agree with you, but yeah, Embiid's yeah. fucking statement. fat ass. When Embiid's fucking <laughs> fat ass can make it out of the second round, we can talk about him. We're probably going to talk about him on this podcast. What about when he gets traded to? Uh, well, then up he will be that. Then it will be that the box score doesn't truly capture his full value. Um. But uh, I'll have to bring back my Porzingis greater than uh, Jokic arguments back then. Uh, but <laughs> but no, I think like then you have like you know obviously Embiid, Bam. Uh, I mean, is there another elite center that I'm forgetting here? People would have said Aiton before last year. Yeah, Aiton's fall off has been very weird, but he can't put him in that group now. But like after that group, right? There's you know Porzingis, Mitch, there's Mitch, Miles, Miles Turner. Turner and whatever. I mean, I mean is Brooke is probably in that just yeah. because of how rare his skill set is. And and Brooke um, is good. And Brooke is very good. He deserves to be in that mix. Uh, I think, and I think like like people would would have put Jared Allen in that mix, right? Like not no, he's not elite, but he's right there with anybody else after that. And Mitch fucking took like Mitch absolutely destroyed him. He absolutely crushed him. Mitch caught a body to the to, to the point where like Jared Allen after the series was talking about like. You know, oh, I gotta go to the, like basically the like, lights were too bright. The lights were too bright, and then he was talking about like he needs, he's like gonna go to the weight room and shit. And it's, I, I mean, I looked this up I today. Mean, he's, he is first of all, let's he made some dirty plays in that series. I'm still convinced of that. Jared Allen, like off the court, is a classy guy. So like, I think a lot of those were meant to be like the gracious loser, right? But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fine. He is a gracious loser because he's a fucking loser. Um, well, Vince Lombardi said she'll make gracious loser and I'll show you a busboy. So. Yeah, well, Vince Lombardi new ball. Uh, but like, I just, like, he, he's talking about he needs to go lift and shit. And I'm like, dude, you're fucking, he's like 25. 20 days. He's like 20 days younger than Mitch. Like, this is not a weight room. Like, wait, he hasn't been in the fucking weight room? Yeah, like he's just not going to be in the weight room his entire career. No, this is not like Mitch is better than him in that in a head-to-head matchup anyway. Like Mitch owns him. And, and I think that's an argument that like some of the offensive, like people are like, well, Jared Allen does some things. He can take a dribble. He has like a little bit of a baby hook, right? It doesn't really I'm matter. Like, like this has been your point. Those for a while. are very overrated. Like when people talk, have the Mitch conversation, you know? Well, it's, it's like they matter if you maybe don't have a glaring weakness at the three and the four offensively. But if you do, then Jared Allen's ability to do like a triple handoff probably doesn't matter that much. Um, it matters more if you're like fucking Golden State or something, right? Where you yeah. don't have these glaring offensive weaknesses. Anyway, the point is... I, like, I think the, the, with the sub-elite center thing, I think it's also... like I don't think the question is whether he's like... After those, two, after those three people you mentioned, really... 
Like, who are you really taking over him with confidence? No one. It's the fact that you can play five with Giannis, right? You can play, like, is Anthony Davis in this conversation? No, he's a power forward, but he can play the five, right? I think those are the kind of things that probably lead people to devalue. Uh, or, 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 like, that so makes his value a little bit murkier. But, again, Isaiah Stewart got more money than him. Like, yeah. I don't know what I, to say I, at that point. Well, I think the other thing, too, with the Stewart thing, which I, I tweeted out, like, I just said, like, fucking... Troy Weaver has no idea what he's doing. And it's not like, look, I look, if you compare everything, I don't like always doing the compare the contracts thing because sometimes they also just drafted the guy. Everyone well, said we should replace Mitch with. That's what's well, hilarious to me. Well, it's, it's a lot of things. So like, I don't like always doing the contract thing because sometimes like just the way things work, you might pay more than another guy who's a better player, whatever. Like, I don't think in a vacuum 464 for Isaiah Stewart is necessarily like, some horrible fucking sure. deal, right? But it means but, that four for sixty for Mitch is a really good deal. Yeah, hundred percent. The Mitch contract is amazing, especially because it's descending. But the bigger thing for me, with like just specific to the Pistons, is forget like okay, yeah, you draft Dern, who apparently they loved. I think Weaver's on record saying that like basically he was like standing out on their board, and he was like like it would, if if Ivy had been or if Dern had been. Like if Ivy had come off the board before them, they would have taken Dern at five or whatever the fuck it was, right? So like he's basically calling him the next best guy on their board. Okay, if you love him that much, that's fine. I don't necessarily agree, but that's fine. Um, okay, you drafted Isaiah Stewart the year before, who you also love apparently. Uh, you you then trade for James Wiseman last year at the trade deadline. Who then he goes on record talking about like. Uh, James Wiseman, this kid's talent. He's talking about him like he's fucking, you know, Embiid or something. Uh, and then, and then he also people forget this. The summer before, they tra- they traded for Marvin Bagley. Then he gave him gave him three years, thirty three million. So like, what? Like this to me is this is a bad allocate. It's just it's just a bad allocation of resources you have in the front court. And like with a bunch of those guys, I mean, Bagley could theoretically play with any of them because he's like a four but there's he's been a four for a while he hasn't been really great at the four right like there's a there's a a thinking maybe that maybe he's best as like a bench small ball five type of guy and then you look at Stewart like okay Stewart shooting threes now does he shoot threes well enough that it matters at the four and if he and can he do anything else at the four of the requisite like level I don't know I haven't seen it uh like can these guys any of these guys play together I don't know none of it makes any sense to me and i think like when you if you bring it back to the knicks um you know say whatever you want about you know the, how they manage the ob thing and you know oh like having only fives that do the same stuff and blah 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 which i don't really agree with i think hartenstein is capable of doing very different things for mitch but we have not leaned on that which is a different issue to do we have guys that can do different things um but like I think the Knicks have allocated their resources better, and the bigger thing is like they haven't used high end draft capital to draft any of these guys or bring in any of these guys, um, and like ultimately they're paying what they're locked in on Mitch and Hartenstein for this upcoming season at basically like I think it's like thirty or sorry twenty four million I think something like that for next season, um, and it's going to come down obviously with Mitch getting less money. Can they keep Hartenstein? I think they should keep Hartenstein, by the way. I think him and Mitch are basically the same age. If you can lock him up for another couple of years after this, I would love that because I think 
having your center rotation locked in, and they seem to be like really good buddies on and off the floor. They don't. I'm sure that they care about closing games, but I don't think they get. They they clearly doesn't affect their relationship with each other, which I think is important. Um, and I just think like you know, yes, can Hartenstein do more for sure? But we know for sure that he's effective doing the things that we're currently asking our centers to do. And so like I just think when you look at kind of the Pistons and how they, I don't know what they want from any of these guys because to me Wiseman is not Duran, who isn't Stewart, who isn't Bagley, and you're not asking any of those guys to do the same things. And they don't do the same things or provide the same things. So it doesn't really make any sense to me. Whereas I think the Knicks have like, you know, we've talked about this with Tibbs where it's like he puts guys in boxes and blah, blah, blah. While there is some a downside to that at times in terms of lack of experimentation, I think the value of it is it makes it kind of easy to deal with some of your positional stuff, especially in the front court where like, you're like, okay, we want our centers to protect the rim and be good rebounders. And then we need our fours to like do shit offensively. Right, like that, more or less. Like that's like the kind of thing you're going for. Whereas I look at the Pistons, I'm like, I have no idea what you want from any of these guys. Like, are you asking James Wiseman to just be a role man? Like, you want maybe Duran to be, but then I see Duran doing all kinds of like cool dribble stuff in the summer league, and I'm like, well, now you asking Duran to be Bam? And if if so, like, do you know why Bam is good and how that makes no sense for Jalen to have James Wiseman on your team anymore, or Marvin Bagley, or probably Isaiah fucking Stewart at four years, 64 million. So yeah, I mean, long story short, I think, you know, I think we talked about this going back to the, the contract thing, but like, his contract is great. I mean, the Knicks are in a good position with that deal. And like, you know, uh, they're kind of in a fine position with the cap, probably for the next two years, including next season. After that is when they will really need to make a lot more tough decisions, and you know they'll but probably they gotta pay Brunson opt out, right? Yeah, you might. I mean, you would just, you would think Brunson opts out, he won't be eligible for a supermax because the Knicks didn't draft him and he wasn't traded to the Knicks while he was on his rookie contract. Ditto with Randall. I actually feel like the Randall thing is interesting because I don't particularly want to pay him the next contract. But at the same time, I would guess that a lot of teams in the NBA feel the same way about him. So it's that like might decrease his value. Yeah, it's like so. Can you get him at a good price? Where all of a sudden you're like, I guess this contract is fine now. Like this contract, like I think this the contract he's on right now is fine. I don't think it's a negative value contract at all. Um, I think we've discussed that. Um, I think getting back to your original question with quickly. Um, Let's say he gets $22 million. That ends up being, what, a seventh of the cap? Uh, whatever, 22 divided by 136 right now. That's the, the salary cap. But if you want to use, like, I mean, I think it's more pertinent to use, like, what the, up to the luxury tax, really, right? Like, it's 165. After 165 is when you have to start paying tax. So, so that's a, at that point, it's about 12% of the cap. And it's interesting because you can look at it on the surface and say, well, he is coming off the bench. Um, he probably will come off the bench. I, I personally am in no rush to, even though he closes a lot of games over Grimes, rightfully, I'm in no rush to bench Grimes or even RJ for him. Um, would, do, would you pay one-eighth for, for your salary cap for a guy who's your sixth man? I think the answer is yes. Um, again, that's six million dollars more per year than what this tour got. If you want me to pick up on that, pick on that contract, 
he would be making Dylan Brooks money. Um, I think IQ is a more impactful player than Dylan Brooks. Um, I, He's I also not actually, an asshole, but is like fucking psychotic. Which yeah, you know. and I think we should talk about how much. Um, I'll say this: like we talked a lot about RJ, we talked about him, but like I think the fact that RJ was this polished dude really mentored well and is not an asshole in that draft. I mean, I'm, I'm not even saying the stuff that's going on with Zion is his fault. Never had to deal with that with RJ. We needed that that kind of a player at that time. I think when you judge that third pick, I think that should matter. Bring it back to IQ. Um, I think that there's just very few real conversations about him. There's people who are like, well, his on-ball defense is like, he's not guarding the best player. He's not a lockdown guy. That ignores the team defense. And I think one thing from all the conversations that I've become more confident in is seeing it. Yeah, team defense matters a lot more than on ball. Who do you think is a better defender, Pat Beverly or Drew Holiday? It's always been true. And the difference is it shows up. Yes, you can throw away the stats all you want. It will show up in the impact stats because Pat Beverly is not some game-changing off-ball defender. He is locked down on ball. Drew is both, right? The off-ball guy, and like this is the same thing with Caruso. People focus on you know like some of the tape of him just being great on ball. What made him great was his off-ball defense. Lonzo Ball wasn't even that great of an on-ball defender. Extremely impactful because of what he did off-ball. So um, how do you quantify that though, right? How do you quantify the fact that he's coming off the bench when you look at his? He's a little bit of a weird evaluation case because it has been three consistent years of just incredible impact numbers. But he's, he's come off the bench for a lot of that. He's also played against starters for a lot of that. He's also closed for a lot of that. Those make it a tricky evaluation. I think looking at the tape, um, I think so I think that what you want, what I'll ask you is this, right? If IQ didn't improve or remained an impactful defender with kind of an up-and-down offensive game um, who was overall a, a a net positive, do you think that $22 million would be worth it? And, well, I, I think if you if he hits his upside, then I think it's definitely worth it. So my question is, is this a case where a $22 million is kind of an average of his upside outcome versus, like, what he is? Like, kind of a, an expected value there? Or is it more you think it's it's fair value for either? I mean, I think it's fair value, but... Fair value for what he is now. Do you think it's fair value for what if he just this is just who he is? Yeah, let's let's put it this way. Do you think that Malcolm Brogdon, forget the injury stuff, let's just assume Malcolm Brogdon's healthy. Do you think paying him twenty one, twenty two million dollars a year is like fine? For that team, yes. And I think we're in the same boat. So Right. So that so yeah, I think it's fine. Like I think if quickly stays exactly the same as he is right now, let's assume that yeah, he plays better in the playoffs, but like He's a sixth man of the year type of candidate every single Well, that is an year. assumption you're making, right? That, I, that he would I mean, play better in the playoffs. It is, but I think at that price point, you're more just talking about, like, I, when you pay guys at a certain point, like, yes, you're baking in, like, ideally, if you're the Knicks, you're like, we're going to be a playoff team. We're paying this guy because we want to keep him, and we do think he'll be playing better in the playoffs. But when we're talking about performance levels for a long, a big part of it, which I think has become, like, weirdly underrated in mixed conversations this summer is like, yes, the regular season matters. Like you have to win games in the regular season to get there. Um, But like people forget Jerome James real quick. Yeah. Um, But like, yeah, I mean, going back to it, like if I, I, 
if I didn't have it, if there were no injury concerns with Malcolm Brogdon, I don't think anybody thinks that contract is onerous. The reason why there's been like, there, you know, why, onerous, right? Yeah, or onerous, onerous uh, whatever it is. Who knows? Um, I'm not fucking. I'm Indian, right? Um, but like, you know, if you're nobody would think that contract is bad other than the injury issue. And I think that's about that's about right to me. Like an elite bench player is a guy who is nominally can come in and also start games for you, which is about a 20 million, 21, 22 million dollar player and a guy that gives you value on both ends and blah blah blah. Like all that stuff makes sense. So like I think that contract is basically fair value for what Emmanuel quickly is right now. Like I think that's basically I mean people People will be like, oh, well, you know, last year he took a leap. He did take a leap last year. But I think more or less, like, he has been that player since about, you know, after the All-Star break, his second year. Like, I think since that point, he's been that type of player. And consistently. The defense has improved. Though. It's That's improved for sure. I think he's sure. improved every year, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think, like, more or less, he's been a, I mean, he's been a high-impact guy, at least as Yeah, as I mean, so I think, I think that's another up. thing. He has improved every season. Yeah. Um. I think it's been incremental, but it right. has been like first season he couldn't get to the rim at all. Second season he had flashed some finishing. Third season he put it together where he used that finishing to leverage his floater. His first season, like he was lost for the just like every rookie for the first half of the season on defense, became a pretty quality defender actually. The second half, um, second season just very impactful on defense. Third season legitimately an elite, elite um, off ball defender. Right. Pretty solid. So he's improved every year. And so, um, and, and so, like, I think go. that that deal is like, yeah, it's fair value for what he is now if he never improves. But, like, but he's there's 23. also reason to believe he's right. He's keep... right. He's 23. So, like, and he, he's 23, but the kind of 23 where he has improved every year. Right. right. And so, like, you're, you're probably comfortable betting, like, I mean, I don't particularly find anything he did this past season as unsustainable to the point that it would hurt his impact. Like, if you want to look at something, a very granular thing that probably isn't sustainable or might not be sustainable, he, I think he had, like, something like 50-something percent on his floaters. Like, that might... He might not be a 50-plus 50 50 percent floater it's sustainable guy. for the Knicks to be 12 points better with him on defense? Uh, maybe not, but he's been... What like a plus nine, plus six, plus like he's consistently. If he was a starter though, if he was playing starter minutes, I I mean maybe because Brunson's a terrible defender, so it's possible like the defense would get. Well, better. if he was a starter, he wouldn't be starting over Brunson, right? He would be starting over Grimes or RJ. So. Well, we can open that can of worms later, um, but like I think that no, no, no. I'm not even saying he should. What I'm saying is. If if he was in that role, would his defensive impact? I don't know. The numbers all seem to like him in those lineups. I I don't know how to answer that because we've never seen it because we couldn't start him over Alec Burks um, or Evan Fournier apparently. But well, it was never yeah, it's Evan Fournier. Yeah, but, <laughs> but like Alec Burks should have been starting that year yeah. to be clear. But but I just yeah, like I think that contract is it has a chance to be really really good. Like. The the difference between somebody like him and a Tyler Hero or Jordan Poole is that those guys have never been good defenders. So like their entire value came from or does still come from what they do offensively. So let's say like you think they're better offensive players than Quick, which fine, whatever. Okay. But like I know that Quick is a good offensive player 
And I know that he is at least a good defender, if not better than that. And I know that that he he brings the, like the thing about good defense is it gives you a stable floor. Like it, there's no when you go through a shooting slump, his defense will still be there. When his when his scoring and shooting comes up, all of a sudden you start reaping the benefits of like, oh my god, is him. And this is what has happened the last two years with him, where it's like you deal with these like the first couple of months him and R, when him and RJ neither of these guys apparently for the first two months of the year they can't fucking shoot they look like every time they shoot it looks like it's going to hit the front of the rim like whatever it is and then around december or late december or whatever they start getting it together and it's like once and both years this has happened quickly once his offense has started coming around all of a sudden like you know for the first month and a half I'll have to be like i, I don't really care the impact is still really good like the plus minus is great like I don't know what to tell you. I'm still comfortable throwing him out there. And then he starts scoring, and then it's like, holy shit. The impact goes way and way up, and, and it becomes more obvious. So, like, what you're basically betting on is, one, can he continue to just be that type of player, maybe better version of that player as time goes on? Hopefully one that doesn't need a fucking two-month start to wind up. Uh, and then the other part is, yeah, like, you would hope and expect, maybe, uh, or hopefully expect him to become a solid playoff performer, you know? Um, so like, those are really the two things you're betting on with that contract. But even if he fails at both, like, I still think there'd be teams that would be like, we'll take him. We, we're just trying to make the fucking playoffs. And this is the thing that people like dismiss constantly is like, well, Oh my God, he played poorly in the playoffs. We can't give him that contract. It's like, I promise you if he has the same, if he has the same exact season next year, let's say he has the same exact season you know, and he goes. We go to the playoffs, and he he can't hit a shot in the playoffs. I promise you, there will be teams in the league that would still look at him and be like, "Oh shit, we need to get to the fucking playoffs. We'll take him off your hands. Well, we'd love to have him on our team. Yeah, well, we'd love to start him." I mean, um, Dylan Brooks wasn't great in the playoffs. He got eighty million dollars. Yeah, I mean, Dylan Brooks. That that was a funny situation. But like, I I, I think there's this is the same thing. I've said this about Randall too, where it's like, I have a, I reject the idea. That Randall is like, oh, who would give up value for Randall? I promise you there are teams that would give up value for Randall. I'm almost positive there are teams that would give up value for Randall. Because there are teams who... They, wouldn't just, they just wouldn't mortgage their future for yeah, like, they wouldn't. Star. Yeah, they're not like, going to give they, you... Like, a team, like, if you're Oklahoma City or someone, and you have extra picks, like, Randall and Shea could work, and if you still have 10,000 picks left, why not trade two first, right? And that's just one example, but... Yeah, and it, it's it's just like... There was a, the, the Hawks last year traded two unprotected first and a protected first for DeJounte Murray. You're trying to tell me he's better than Julius Randle or so much better than Julius Randle? He should command something like that? He's not better than Julius Randle. No, <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. So, like, there, there's always, there'll be a team that, like, that just wants to get better and they'll be like, okay, I, we know we sucked in the playoffs or whatever, but one, we need to get to the playoffs and two, we can fix him. Like, that, that's, that's how all this works in the NBA. We can fix him. How many? You know what we can fix him does. We can fix him gets James Harden wherever the fuck he wants. Every time he don't wants to get save saved. him, he don't want to be. Yeah, saved. he doesn't want to be saved. James Harden wants to be fucking fat. He wants to do whatever the hell he wants to do. He wants to dribble seven billion times and take fifteen step back threes and choke. He would. He would fit in that. well with the strip clubs in New York. So I'm told. Have, don't actually partake. Are actually quite. Uh, you know, he'd, he'd do well in New York. He he would probably do well anywhere there are strip clubs, to be quite honest. Um, not Utah. Not Utah. Well, they, I don't know if they have strip clubs in Utah. Um, if they do, they're probably not a lot of fun. They're probably <laughs> terrible. Uh, 
<laughs> just a lot of. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Probably bowling, bowling, bowling alleys <laughs> with, with like. But yeah, like I, I just, I would give, I would give Quick that contract. I would like if I would give Grimes that contract if when, whenever that his payday comes yeah. up. You know what I mean? Like I would give these guys those contracts because I think they're absolutely worth it, and I think they're young enough and have shown improvement enough that you would bet on them figuring shit out. Like I'm sorry, I will bet on a like. I'm, I'll bet on Emmanuel quickly figuring out a way to make it happen for him in the playoffs because he's figured out shit throughout his career that people put a ceiling but on. But do him you with. think? Do you think if he's playing on the same team as Jalen Brunson and you know all these other mouths to feed and everything, do you think he will have the room to kind of figure it out in that sense? Uh, I mean, because you mean, you you have talked a lot about how. He gets one or two opportunities to run a pick and roll. It goes poorly, that, that, and then that's kind of a coaching issue to me. Like that—that that to me goes back to coaching more than it is, and that—that that doesn't just affect him. Like quickly has to work for his reps, but he does get on ball reps now. Like you look at this roster as it stands right now. Is Quentin Grimes getting any on ball reps that he? Yeah, but quickly's a lot. But I'm better. saying he. But he's had the chance to prove it because he came in. He like quickly benefited in some ways from the perceived or true, whatever you want to put it, but the lack of talent the Knicks had when he came in, right? Like he came in. You think it helped him that Alfred Point was point guard? Yes, Actually, I think yeah. I think it. I have. I think it helped him. Alfred was point guard. I think it helped him that Dennis Smith Jr., who congratulations to him, has kind of fought and scrapped his way into staying in the league. Uh, that Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank, but Milikino it wasn't an established player. Yeah, yeah. Well, that Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank Nilakino were his competition. Hey, respect Frank. Milikino. I will always respect Frank, but it helped him obviously, and like he took his opportunity. And yeah, of course they did trade for Derrick Rose, but he got opportunities to show what he could do with the ball in his hands in a way that, like, by the time we drafted Quentin Grabs the next year. That didn't exist because we, you know, we we yeah, signed but Kemba Walker. He's a much more talented on ball player than Ryan. he is. But you also would like think, like, how many pick and rolls did Quentin Grimes run last year? I mean, when he did, he like they just they're not going to go over, and he can't punish them for playing in close. Uh, I don't know that. I don't know that because you need reps to work that over. Like all I, mean, I know is that when all of a sudden at the end of the year, when we give Quentin Grimes, this has happened twice now. Where we all of a sudden it's like, oh, Quentin, just do whatever the fuck you want because everybody's sitting. He goes off. That's that's the only sample we have to work with. That, but it was still a lot of catch and shoot threes right, but, and like but just that's, attacking closeouts. But like, you're looking still, for him. But you're looking for him. He like those are opportunities yeah. that he can turn. Well, that's into, that's I think that's it's separate. Like, but you don't have to call stuff for him for guys. To, they should always be looking for him, especially Brunson should be like that's the one guy they can't help off of, right? So I mean, that's like, just not how ever, it works, though. Like. You have three guys that you're putting the ball in their hands a lot. Like Randall. Well, you need to spread them out. RJ Brunson. Randall, RJ Brunson. Those guys have the ball in their hands a lot. Quickly gets the next amount. And like, this is the thing that's funny to me is Quickly's usage was down last year. He was under 20 last year. He was at 19.9 his usage. So like the, the, the ability for other guys to even get reps is, is limited. And even quickly, like, you know, with Tibbs, Tibbs is a coach who, for better or worse, it's like, if you show me you can do it, then I will give it to you. But you have to show me. I'm not going to give you the opportunities to, like, like I'm not just going to give you, like, 10 reps here just because I want you to have them. 
Like, no, I have to, I need to know that you can do this and it can help me in the uh, services of winning this ball game. That's his standard for young guys. Obviously, that's not necessarily the case for vets, but that is what he does with young guys. Um, like a guy like Quentin Grimes is never gonna have those opportunities. And as far as quickly goes in the playoffs, like he struggled initially, and that was it. Like Tibbs basically pulled the plug on him. You can go look up the pick and roll ball handler fucking reps and touches and all that kind of stuff, all the tracking stuff. He basically just turned him into another off ball guy in turn, like be like Quentin Grimes, effectively. Um, whether that was right or wrong, and I do think that Tibbs was coming around to realizing he needed to dial him back up in that Miami series before he got hurt. Um, I don't know, but I, I think to, to your question, like I think that's about Tibbs. Like Tibbs has to be more willing to extend his leash at times, and I do think like if he gets paid, I think that'll be part of the understanding there. And I I also suspect Tibbs usually like look man once you get your contract, it's usually a different ball game for 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 you with Tibbs. Like RJ went from I yell at you all the time on the bench to okay. Not gonna say much to you. Um, so yeah, I mean, Mitch. He basically. I mean, not that he really has to say much to Mitch anymore. But yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know. To me, that's more of a Tibbs thing. And if that's a continued problem, I don't like. You know, are you ever going to get a point guard, a backup point guard that like he would trust more than quickly? I I don't know. It's a pretty seems like a high bar because as much as I might not like some of the stuff he does with quickly, I do think he trusts him. I do think he values him. Um he just you know, he does tips things sometimes. Yeah, no, I, I think um um it, it's um I do think it's it's if you want to hit that high end outcome, the thing is this, right? It's very, I don't think it's a coincidence that his best game last season was against Boston. And it started off with him just pulling up from the logo because he knew that there's nothing Tibbs is going to like, what's Tibbs going to do? Bench him for Deuce? That's not going to happen. Um, I'm not making this a Brunson versus IQ thing or, or anything, but in the regular season, even off the bench, he had more freedom, right? I think you can, and like, I think this is the first year the Knicks actually had a worse offensive rating with quickly on than off. It says more about Brunson to me than anything. So a lot about Brunson. It also says a lot about the fact that about a third of the season, or a good chunk of the season, he was playing those Sims Hartenstein lineups off the bench, which, you know, which was still pluses. And I'm not going to kill Tibbs for him because Tibbs's idea was let's play our two really good defensive bigs or, Sims was actually maybe better at the four as a defender. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to kill Tibbs for it either because I kind of think it's I mean, like, it should not happen this season. I'll say well, that. It, it's, it's kind of like I, I won't kill Tibbs for it because I kind of find it hilarious, but that was... He did it was that. a positive lineup. Well, he, he also did that because, one, obviously Obi got hurt. Um, but then the second reason is because he had basically decided that uh, Cro- that... Sorry, not Grimes. Fournier... Derek Rose and very, very specifically Cam Reddish were never allowed to play <laughs> basketball again. Um, so I, I, well, like, I think there are people that criticize him for that. I kind of do admire just the fact that he's like, no, you suck, dude. I'm good. Like, I don't want to play you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, on offense, it hurt quickly his offensive um, game uh, and ability to do things. Um, but I also, so like, but when he, I think you talked about this and 
he has to like the thing is this right he is never like he's improved in some paint he's never been going to be a guy who's inside out the kind of guy he can be like is Mike Conley who's like pull up game developed he had the floater and he had, like that's the kind of game that that quickly can develop that relies on like if they if they can't go under against you if they go under and you don't fry them every time that's a problem um he, he, that's just the same way that RJ is never going to be a guy whose pull-up shot is this primary thing. It's always going to be inside out. He has to be able to make good decisions when he drives. So it's the same thing. So when quickly, when they go under uh, and he doesn't pull up, that's a big deal. Uh, when he doesn't have the freedom to fuck around a little bit and, and make some mistakes, but you know, rely on his defense and, and adapt. And I, I just wonder... At that point, are you constricting him a little bit here, and, and is that something that he might feel, or you know, are there ways to kind of tap into yeah. that more? I mean, I, I would say that, like, I mean, we know that he. I mean, this is and this is the thing. Like, this is not unique to, to quickly. By the way, like, all players in the NBA and in any sport ever want to start. Like, all of them all have the goal to start, like games, whatever they are. Um, that doesn't mean that they absolutely have to start or they'll, or they'll be miserable somewhere. Like it will quickly be miserable and want out if he's not starting, but he routinely closes games and he's playing 27, 28 minutes a night or something like that. Like, I don't think so. I, maybe I'm wrong, but I would think that like, at least that is a path, right. To be like, okay, I will, maybe this isn't exactly what I'm, but I like being in New York. I like coming off the bench or I'm fine coming off the bench because clearly I'm still valued, blah, blah, blah. If if that changes where it's like you might not close, you're playing 20 minutes a night. Like, yeah, I think that that he would probably want out then. But um, but right now in this moment in time, I suspect that he would value keeping not keeping, sorry, but locking in money. Like this is your time right now, not him, but a lot of these guys. Right when you end your after your third season, you can extend with your team. Like. A lot of guys are going to value, yes, I want to make as much money as possible, but like if I'm standing, in, if I'm Leon Rose and I'm standing in front of you, Emmanuel, quickly, and I'm saying, I am ready to hand you a five year, $105 million, $110 million guaranteed. Guaranteed. Hell, I'll give you player option in the fifth year. Are you going to say no? I don't know. I like. Yeah, the question is would the Knicks want to go that high and would they stick I mean, at like four for 90? That's twenty one, twenty two million. I think they'd go that high. That's that's like four or five million cheaper than RJ and Brunson and and Randall. Like I, I would be shocked if they wouldn't go that high for him, um, especially because you could probably structure it in a variety of different ways. Um, I do want to bring this up because I do think this is worth noting. This is from the stats from this season. Manual quickly this past year. Um, in his minutes without Jalen Brunson or RJ Barrett on the floor. 630 minutes. The Knicks had a plus 12.4 net rating. They had a 120.16 offensive rating in those minutes. Emmanuel quickly with Jalen Brunson on the floor. Those units were awesome again. They played 679 minutes, 9.7 net rating, 120.2 offensive rating. And then Emmanuel quickly with RJ Barrett. They played 741 minutes. They had a minus 1.76 net rating. Um, 109.1 offensive rating. So, 
for whatever the case. And previously, they have played well together together before. And I know that RJ just had he had a bad regular season, right? For whatever it is. Um, so maybe that's just something that can bounce back next year. But for whatever it was last year, that those minutes seem to be the primary driver of the offenses worse with him on the floor. Um, the minutes with him and RJ. Uh, and I think this is worth noting too. RJ with Brunson though, uh, minus 3.8, but they did have a 120 point. They were basically 121 offensive rating um, with those two on the floor together without quickly on. Um, so the offense in a lot of get in a lot of ways just struggled in the minutes with quickly and RJ. Um, and I, uh, sorry, I should mention quickly RJ and Brunson, they only played 294 minutes, but they did have 120.7 net rate or offensive rating. So like what, for whatever reason, all, all those combinations worked offensively, except for quickly with RJ and no Brunson. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I would bet on a bounce back. Assuming I'm assuming RJ is here, I think this is going to be a roster for the entering the season. Um, I would bet. I would bet on those two together with Brunson off, figuring it out, and at least playing at a better level collectively, offensively. Um, and so I'm not that worried about it. And like you know, I've been critical of RJ regular season, and and I stand by everything I said there. But like, I don't. I'd be shocked if he had a regular season as bad as he did last year again. Like, I think he's going to bounce back. And whether you, whatever you think of his long-term ceiling, whatever, I just can't imagine he'll be he'll struggle as much as he did at times in the regular season last year. I think he's going to have a much stronger regular season. I think that he will carry over some of the stuff from the playoffs. If nothing else, just moving better defensively. Um, Fred Katz, I think he mentioned this on the KFS stream or whatever, that... RJ had felt like the weight he lost towards the end of the season um, helped him move better, and that's something that he's focused on in the offseason. So I'm hopeful that he comes in, he looks a little bit more svelte, um, closer to what he was his first and second years in the league. That would be nice because I think that would help him a lot defensively. And I also think that would just help him in transition. Like I really don't think he needed to bulk up to the level he has because he was bullying guys as a rookie. Like He fucking, you know, bullied his way to the rim on P.J. Tucker as a rookie. P.J. Tucker is a fucking huge dude who, like, shoves guys around the league. So I would bet that if he does come in and he, he is a little bit more, uh, you know, cut instead of being as thick uh, as he was, he would benefit from it. Very nice use of uh, slang terms there. Yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, um, you know, how much do you think, so when we're talking about RJ's playoffs, right, it's interesting to me because I think it was like it's always been this case. I think this is why he's had a lot of success against the Heat because they often, whether by design or not, they get a hero switched onto him, and he's always destroyed Tyler Hero. And you know, part of one of the reasons why Brunson went off was that they started putting Vincent on him because they couldn't trust him on RJ. Um, how much of his success do you? think was based on him having smaller defenders on him and look like that's not necessarily a bad thing because he does have the kind of guard next to him that demands a big wing like you there isn't like Brunson gave Drew Holiday 44 yeah it was regular season it's like kind of weird that we have to caveat yeah I mean we all know how playoff Drew really steps it up yeah so like um (laughs) but he's done that and um so Brunson is going to like in the playoffs they have to put their wings on him Mm. 
or they have to let him get 40. That's what Eric Spolstra determined. I don't even know if Eric Spolstra made the right choice. But it is notable that RJ's production went down once Brunson's went up. And I don't think it's because the Knicks prioritized. Well, I think it was in reaction to the fact that they were willing to live with Gabe Vincent on Brunson. Um, so my question is, RJ dominated Garland. He dominated Vincent and Struess whenever they put him on him. How much does that affect kind of your evaluation of, of the playoff minutes? Like, how do you think about that going forward? Um, I guess I would say I don't really think he dominated those minutes um, against Miami. But, but he, the most success he had was against Vincent. Yeah, yeah, he had Drews success. And Garland. He had. I think I don't think he had success. the same kind of success against. No, no, I want to be very. I want to be very specific. I don't think he dominated his minutes in the Miami series against Cleveland. He absolutely crushed. I, he, I had a, he had a, the beginning yeah. of the Miami series. He was good. Uh, yeah. I can pull up. Yeah, and I, I and I don't care about like the, the the plus minus stuff in the playoffs with him is a little weird. I don't know what to make of it to be honest. He because a lot with Julius Randall. Yeah, he did, but like if you, I trust me, I've played with all the numbers. Like he was. It doesn't matter what combinations you use. He was like somehow the most detrimental player, but I don't fully trust it because it just didn't look like that to me. Like quite honestly, I'll just say that. Like. The regular season, I trusted it because I was like, yeah, that matches up with what I'm seeing. Like, that that makes sense. In the playoffs, it didn't match up with what I was seeing. So I don't fully trust it. I think maybe there's some noise there, small sample size stuff. But um, to go back to it, like, the Cleveland series, I thought he dominated. I thought he was really, really good. I thought that was basically, like, that is the guy that you paid a four-year, $107 million extension for. Like, the way he played, he I thought his defense was competitive throughout that series. Uh, his decision making, especially. So in the Miami series, he had into he had twenty six, really twenty four. Um, so he had at least twenty four points in four out of the six Miami games. Um, yeah, and, I, I, and I, all, I, I can I, I know that. And like all he, I can the tell, last all, one was shitty. All I can but, tell you yeah. is that. Yeah, I all I can tell you is that I did not come away from that series thinking he dominated. His minutes, like did he have, did he have some success? He was good, yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure, he had success. He was good. Um, I thought basically the entire Knicks team fucking sucked whenever Brunson was on the floor. That's not an RJ specific thing. That's all of them. They all sucked when Brunson was on the floor in that series, um, which was different to me from the Cleveland series, where I thought they managed to still have some success when Brunson was off the floor. If nothing else, I thought their defense held up in that series a little bit better. And that gave them a bit of an edge, but um, yeah, like I think with with RJ, I mean, does it help that he plays next to Brunson? For sure, it does. But like at the end of the day, like he just needs to make threes. Like I can, I think the rest of it, like yeah, he's not a three level scorer, he's off the dribble game, but like I think you can deal with all that, and like I think. You can reasonably bet on, you know, fucking doing like a clockwork orange with him, showing him the Cleveland series on repeat, and being like, <laughs> "See when you drive and three people are in the paint and you like kick it out, you see what happens." The Strickland does not advocate torture. Sorry. Yeah, uh, it's not torture. It's uh, you know, it's behavioral uh, programming. Um, but, conversion therapy. Yeah, conversion therapy. <laughs> but but like, I think with. Uh, with that, it's 
that's a reason. I think those those are all things I can live with. He cannot be a twenty fifth percentile spot up shooter. That can't happen. That can't happen. It doesn't matter who he plays with. It doesn't matter any other. Like, you can't be a wing or a guard. Like other than Jimmy Butler, there's nobody in the league that gets away with this shit. And and even Jimmy, like say what you want about him, but when he, if he's if he makes one or two threes. You already see how teams play him differently out there. Like RJ has to get to a level where, look, he doesn't need to be Ray Allen, but he's got to be like, look, we have the one forty percent year from three. Which if, if we're gonna do the Randall thing of like, well, Randall's forty percent. Well, I think mistake, what people like, will bring up is that a lot of the like RJ's better months were actually when there were fans in the stands, right? So. Yeah, and that's that's fine. But it, the point being is like. Maybe that season was just a hot shooting season, like because we've got three seasons now, and and I think this is worth noting. When he went forty percent from three, right? You can go back and find the quotes, but a lot of it was like, oh, like he's working really, really hard, and he's tweaked his mechanics some, right? And remember, there was a huge thing about like, well, you know, I actually tweaked my mechanics before my rookie year, but then fucking genius coach Fisdale and genius Keith Smart. Uh, had me switch back to like whatever the hell they wanted me to do and that's why my percentage sucked so I tweaked like so now I got a chance to go back to the what I was working on and I shot 40%. Okay. And now we keep hearing these stories of like oh Drew Hanlon's like oh we tweaked something before the playoffs. We tweaking this or tweaking that and it's like okay but like the percentage is still not great. So ultimately he's 22. I don't think the book is closed on him at all in terms of anything. I especially don't think the book is closed on him as a three-point shooter, but the Knicks are good right now, and the East is not... I mean, forget the East. The league itself, I don't particularly feel, is so... There's not, to me, some outlier dominant team that you could never imagine beating a series. This is not like... You don't have like the fucking Durant... Yeah, you don't have the Durant Warriors out there. You don't have the Heatles. You don't have this shit. Like, you have... Really, a bunch of really good teams, but no team that's so dominant. The question the Knicks have to ask, and I think this is really what they're balancing, because like, let's be real, RJ is your third option. I talked about this with Prez on Friday. If he's gonna, when he, as long as he's here, he'll be the third option. So you need him to be at a certain level at that usage um, as a shooter, and if like they, he just needs to shoot better and if he's not going to shoot better they're a good team they have a tough decision to make there like do you keep faith in him or do you trade him out try to bring in somebody who's a little bit older but more proven as a shooter um you maybe lose some upside with that it's a hard thing they have to figure out here and then you know the other part that makes this tricky is nobody can be sold on julius randall as a oh yeah he's definitely one of your top three guys right now like in the regular season, I mean, even then, I think that's dicey, given what we've seen from him. But, like, okay, fine, I can at least get there. In the playoffs? Fuck no. Are you kidding me? Like, I understand he was injured and all that shit, but, like, I'm sorry, man. You can tell me that that's a reason why you have faith in him to bounce back, but you can't... If I that made you bet your fucking life on something, like, it, it'd be like, yeah, you had to bet your, you know, your life savings on Julius Randle being a good playoff player. Nobody's fucking doing that. Like, nobody's doing that. So, I think those are the two big, really, really big questions. Like, the other stuff to me, 
you know, paying quickly? Do we need a more skilled center? How do we do, like, what are we going to do with the backup for? Do we need a, a fucking bigger wing to... All those things are kind of small potatoes in relation to those two things. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I'm fine with where the Knicks are at. I think it actually is kind of... It's it's nice that the expectations were where they were going into last season because the season they had now enables them in some ways to give this another shot because they did have success that obviously they did get at the second round, which is the most successful season the Knicks have had since 2013. Um, I think giving this another shot is okay because let's see, you know, let's see what this team does next year. Let's see if RJ Barrett can't have a breakout three point shooting season at age 23. That's not exactly the most insane thing that's ever happened. Right. Let's see if Julius Randle, let's, let's see if we can get back to the playoffs, right. Be an automatic playoff, playoff team. And then let's see how Julius Randle performs in those playoffs. Hopefully he won't have a serious ankle injury that he re-aggravates that, that clouds the kind of image of it all. So, um, and I think tied to this RJ thing is this question, this comment that we got um, in the comments. Thank you to John Zigner. Uh, hopefully pronouncing that uh, properly. Do we need to acquire an all NBA player prior to Brunson's contract deal, or do we keep faith? We can draft and continue to get good free agent acquisitions. Seems to be artificial clock on us making a move. Um, Stacy, what are your thoughts? I do think that ties into RJ, by the way. Yeah, I mean, the question is, can one, they already have another all NBA player. Can that all NBA player show up in the playoffs? Can we don't know a lot of stuff because as much as it's as much as I don't want to make excuses for Randall, it was really his second playoff series. Um, he was hurt. Like as excuse the defensive thing, can you win I, I think the the bigger thing is that it's a good defensive it's not a bad defensive team. I know they finished nineteenth, I think they played well on defense. But their three best players, none of them has shown good defense. These are the questions I'm more focused on than getting another star, to be honest. Like, can they get a viable second creator uh, in the playoffs? Is that quickly? Is that RJ? Is that Randall? I don't know. Um, but is does that? I think that person could exist on the roster. Um, does some of the one of the young players take a leap? You know, it's probably one of Grimes, RJ, or, or quickly. But you know, who knows? Maybe it's someone else. Sims. Um, what I was gonna say, Deuce, but um, Deuce, Deuce, it could be Deuce, Keels. It could be Keels. I think the one thing I'm comfortable saying is that it won't be Keels. Um, but um, you know, those are the questions. So my question is, do they need to? I don't know. You're making a bet on the improvement, and that's what's like. That's why when people talk about, oh, you know, they they're they're not doing it. They're not building the right way. They're taking shortcuts. It's like no. If anything, they probably could have sold higher or sold at whatever they were at on this young core a long time ago. They could have traded RJ and said, we don't want to pay you. We want to keep our cap low, keep an opportunity open, and, and get more picks, right? Maybe somebody would have given, given up picks for RJ. But, you know, um, they, they have repeatedly said, we're going to build and develop this core. They've prioritized draft and developing. And the fact that they traded away two picks that weren't going to play really the last two years I don't think matters that much in that conversation. Um, so the question is, do you keep betting on that improvement in your, these guys, you know, quickly Grimes, RJ, Mitch, 
are we kind of are we reaching the plateau if you think that's what it is then you consolidate um if you think that um if you think that no that like there's a good chance that one of those guys becomes like a star on a on a good contract then you keep and as far as there's a gray area you know i think my my answer to that is i think if it's a no-brainer and yeah i think where i disagree with schwinn is i think joel and beef would be that kind of no-brainer they would do it um but oh i, I think, think they'd do it. like they would do it I don't think a guy like Donovan Mitchell is that. I don't think they're going to do it for like oh. the worst All NBA player. Yeah, can, can we just say this? Donovan Mitchell is not better than Jalen Brunson. Like he's not. I'm sorry, he's just fucking not. Is he better than Tyrese Halliburton? Uh, probably. But like he, I'm sorry. Like I, I had to listen. I listened to the again the low pod last week, and they were talking about like, oh, well, maybe like, you know, look, Brunson's he's probably not better than Donovan Mitchell, obviously. And it's like, why? What what is the reasoning? Is it oh because he didn't make an All Star team? He didn't make an All NBA team? Great. All I know is two years in a row he's busted Donovan Mitchell's ass. Had that absolutely fucking cut him up. Um, he's performed better on a playoff stage than him for two years running. This is not just one series. This is not just a couple games. These are two straight series where he's absolutely destroyed him. And to the people that were like, I, I've seen people being like, "Well, the Cavs' depth was terrible," and blah blah blah. Okay, well. If the Cavs' depth is terrible, I think it's safe to say the Knicks' depth defensively very, very good. They did not play particularly great against Cleveland offensively. Uh, and then the other part of it is like, okay, then can we stop talking about like Cleveland's amazing top end talent? Then, like, I don't, I, I don't know. Is it depth? Is it top end talent? I don't know. But Donovan Mitchell not better than Jalen Brunson. Sick of hearing it. Um, best thing we did was not mortgaging the future and trading out a bunch of picks and all that shit for Donovan Mitchell. I don't know where Stacy went. Uh, Stacy is using the little boys' room. Uh, so I'm just going to keep talking about stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I I tend to agree with Stacey um, as far as we need a second creator. I guess I'm just a little bit more apprehensive that that's on the roster or that more importantly, going back to John's question, um, that you can wait. Like, I I don't know that you can wait to see if your second creator is still on the roster beyond this upcoming season. I well, think, it like, depends who's... Yeah, I agree. This, but I also agree it depends on who you can actually get back, right? Yeah, like, so, so you can't ever force it. Like, if a guy's not there, he's not there. Like, you can't be like, well, it doesn't fucking matter if this person's not worth it. He's the best that's out there, so let's just trade a bunch of shit for him. No, no, you can't do that. But I do think it's reasonable to expect a true star, superstar, whatever you want to call it, to become available on the market over the course of the next season. The bet you have to make is, or the, 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 the question you really have to ask yourself is, as this season goes on, this upcoming season goes on, is are you seeing enough signs from the guys we mentioned, you know, and you can include Randall in that mix too. Though regular season Randall, we know has been different than playoff Randall. But like guys like RJ, Quick, Grimes, those three specifically, has any of them made a leap so significant as a creator that you would pass on the opportunity to add, say, somebody like a Paul George, who they've been connected to a bunch of this offseason? Um, you know, obviously that depends on cost and all kinds of things, but it also depends on what you think of your internal talent and the way they're trending. Um, and so, 
yeah, it's just it's a tough question, and I I think that's kind of why I'm okay with them not taking a big swing on the guys that are available or at least seem to be available this offseason. Um, obviously, Damian Lillard makes no sense with Jalen Brunson. I don't think it makes sense to give up the value that apparently the Clippers are looking to get for Paul George for Paul George. I have absolutely no desire to do much for to get James fucking Harden. Um, so I'm okay with passing on Harden. <laughs> but like, you know, it does... It's all fine to to want that player, but it has to be the right guy. And it has to be um, the guy that that makes sense. And and like to you know, this point right here. So how about that Joel Embiid guy? Um, obviously, the Knicks they got. I mean, they're going to get connected to him constantly. He made a comment. Uh, I don't know when exactly it was, but you know about he doesn't know if he'll. He just wants to win. He doesn't know if it'll be in Philly or elsewhere. We know the Harden thing is looming over their offseason, which I find interesting. It feels like Daryl Morey maybe has, you know, backed himself into a corner here. I'm not sure he can extricate himself from. Um, you know, is Joel Embiid that guy? I have reservations about that, but you would say at least in a vacuum, to me, he's at least a lot more worthy of taking that risk for than a Donovan Mitchell. That's just my feeling about it, um, especially given you have Brunson now. Like, I, I don't really understand. I, I didn't want to do the Mitchell thing last year, in part because I don't really under—I just didn't understand the fit with Brunson at all. Um, and I think we saw some of that in the Cleveland series as far as how it worked for Cleveland. But I, you know, whatever I think of Embiid, there's just a version of Embiid if he can ever be healthy at the right time in the playoffs. If he's, you know, all these kind of things where. I get it. The talent is prodigious. He is absolutely an elite player. Can he just be an elite player at the time you need him to be one? I don't know. He hasn't done it yet. And I do think it's worth noting. I think this is actually very relevant. Philly has struggled for a long time, for as long as Embiid's been there, with that Boston team um, that has multiple, you know, they have Jalen Brown, they have Jason Tatum, two elite wings. Very perimeter-oriented team. They've very they've struggled to beat them to to overcome them at various points. If you trade for Embiid, you better fucking have a strong idea of how you are now going to overcome the same problem that his teams in Philly have had. Because I do think that is personnel related um, in terms of the matchups, and I do think that this swarming that that. Boston team can do defensively with their various wings and, you know, even Derek White. Derek White, like, he's a fucking big-ass guard, dude. That dude's like a wing, basically. Um, you know, obviously they don't have Smart now, but they still have Brogdon, they have KP, whatever. But the teams that they have faced prior to now have had a lot of wings and guards and they've swarmed and made life hard for him. I don't know if that's specifically going to be a problem for with against Boston moving forward, but that has been a problem that Joel Embiid has had, and that's something that you need to consider um, if you do make that big swing on a player like Joel Embiid. So is there anything that's untouchable for the Knicks, or what, where would you not go on that trade? Um, sorry, say that again? What, you know, what, what is a price too high? For Joel Embiid? Yeah. 
I mean, I'm always more risk averse with this stuff, but I just hate the idea of going like three future first, four future first, oh, for wow. a guy, and you know, fucking players, and it's just hard to know what. If it was four future first, but we kept Crickly Grimes and RJ, you still wouldn't do it. So what, Randall's going out. Yeah, Randall would have to go out, I think, to make the salaries. To, to make it a... There's no way Randall can't go out, and we're not trading Brunson, so... Uh, I think I'd probably be okay with doing that, uh, just because I... I Randall, that. four firsts. Um, I don't think you have to include Fournier at that point, but... This is the this is why trading for Joel and Bebo... Ride, so something... It's, like, it's just very difficult for me to answer this, because if you do that trade, okay, then now you got to trade Mitch. Like, so where are we trading Mitch? What are we getting back? It, it's just really, really hard to know. Like, if you told me right now, Joel Embiid's in the market, right? Say, Daryl Morey calls you up. We're ready to talk. Okay? Um, I think Mitch has to go out in that trade. And if it's Randall, that's fine. But now you've got a huge fucking hole at the four. How are you feeling that? And this is why I get nervous about trades where it's like give up, it up give give all of it up to get the guy because you got to get the guy. And it's like okay, I have the guy now. Uh, how do I build this team around this guy? Like I'm sorry, like this son's fucking thing that's going on, and everybody's like, oh look, they they get the best minimum guys. Okay, they're fucking minimum guys. Like I'm sorry, like you got the best, you got the smallest. Yeah, bold bulls. Yeah, bold bulls. Game changer. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, like, bold bulls a meme. He's fun, but come on, like. It, I don't love. I, I look at the situation then, right? They had a, they traded out all their picks. They trade out Mikael Bridges. They trade out Cam Johnson. Okay, so now and they haven't traded out all their picks. That's part of it. It's like they've relied on swaps and they've done some they, interesting stuff, but it's not your typical empty the shell. What they're doing is fucking crazy. By the way, they're just like mortgaging. They're taking out like a mortgage on their mortgage. It, it's fucking nonsense what they're doing. Trading out pick swap. You're trading out like oh we'll. They are. They, they're making swapped. a CDO made up they of are. CDOs. Yeah, they basically are. They're trading like. So they already swapped those picks with Washington, and now they're trading the lesser swaps to get like these shitty, shitty second round picks that like are have no chance of being anything other than like late seconds. Um, it's look. I mean, it's the strategy they've chosen. I don't think it's wise. And I don't think it's to me stuff like that just makes me queasy. Where I'm like, okay, you have to win a championship in the next two three years in that situation. And like, if you start going down that path, that's the that's the situation you're in. And like, I know this sounds stupid, but like, I mean, I think I was I think you guys mentioned this on uh, on your pod with with Miranda, but like, thank you for listening. Uh, yes, of course, um, and everybody should be listening, uh, but. Like, I'm okay with the Knicks not being a championship contender right this second. Like, I'm okay if they're stuck in the middle of her right now. Like, I- I'm fine with that because I like this team. I like the guys in this team. I have fun rooting for them. You know, whether I, I yes, do I have moments where I get super annoyed with like RJ and and Mitch and and Julius and whoever. Like, yeah, absolutely, I do. But like in general, I like rooting for this team. I like the guys in this team. I think they carry themselves well. I like the fact that it feels like for the first time I don't have to worry that 
at at some point I'm gonna get a woe drama of like, uh, this person was like doing something insanely stupid. Like <laughs> more to come, details to come later. Like I don't need to worry about shit like that. And I like that. Um, I'm fine with waiting. I'm fine holding off for the right guy. And to me, like Joel Embiid, maybe he's that. Maybe he's that guy. Maybe he is. Maybe I'm wrong. But I can't get out of the fact, get my mind out of the, like, get, get away from the fact the guy can't get out of the second fucking round. I'm sorry. Like, I can't, to me, that's a fucking, seems like a really big problem. Like, you can't get to a conference finals, you know? Like, that seems very problematic to me if you're not good enough to do that. Like, and yes, you can tell me all the circumstances and all the shit. The guy had a game six on his floor this year. You win. You go to the Eastern Conference Finals. He's the MVP, right? He spent a whole fucking year crying about not getting the MVP award and all this shit. You have the chance to justify it on your that own. That was board. more his trainer than... Uh, that was him, too. He had a whole fucking thing in the athletic where he was talking about, I play defense and all this shit. Get the fuck out of here. Um, like, you had a chance to do it. Okay. You lose that game. You go to game seven. Did you? Did he show up? Was he on the floor? Did he do fucking anything in that game? At any point in that game, did he like? Did he take kind of stock of the situation? And be like, man, it's time for me to like. I, if we're gonna go down, it's gonna be. I'm gonna go down swinging. Like, and, and this was not some like Kobe fucking game seven against Phoenix next level chess move or something where he's like, I'm just gonna throw this one to make a point to Phil. Like, no, this was just him disappearing in the moment. Um, I'm sorry. That stuff really worries me. Like we shit on Randall for this all the time. We shit on Randall for this, right? Yeah, but like, Rand- I mean, Randall doesn't play defense either. Was Embiid playing defense in that game? I mi- I must have missed it. I don't think it, I think it was a lot better than that. I think I seen Randall. I don't know, man. They were hunting him in that game. I saw them hunting Julia jo- Joel Embiid in that game. I saw them trying to get Tatum switches onto Joel Embiid. Like, I'm not saying that's an easy cover for him, but I mean, you're the, the hey. You're the, you had your chance to make an impact in the game. You just disappeared. Like, I'm sorry. Like, to me, that's very, very worrying. Like, even the comment, like, the comment he made today is worrying to me. It's like he's divorcing himself from responsibility from the situation. I just want to have a chance to win. Okay. You want to fucking do something about it, pal? Huh? You want to fucking maybe stop sucking down Shirley Temples? That's all you can do? I think he's actually stopped doing that. Um, but, like, there are very few guys to me that are actually worth these type of gigantic all-in type of trades that we're talking about. And like, it also, like if, if for example, if RJ took a leap this upcoming season, right. And now we're like talking about a guy that's hovering around that, like all-star or at least just really, really good two-way wing, right? Like maybe not quite an all-star every year, but could get in the mix two or three or four times, whatever, right? I think at that point, you might be comfortable. I would be a lot more comfortable than trading for Joel Embiid. Because it's like, okay, I have my guard, I have my wing, let me get my big guy, and we can go. I'm more, Not having a second guy that I'm like, yes, that's our second guy, that makes it also a lot more... Well, that's Brunson, right? I'm saying, like, not having a second guy in the roster as is right now. Who could be your third? I guess if you get Joel Embiid. So yeah, but well, so if you keep, you don't believe that RJ or quickly, like we need to see that first. 
I mean, I would. I would personally want to do that. I understand that, like, what Shwini Poo wants from his couch, uh, not having to worry about, like, the pressures of keeping my NBA front office job and answering to uh, James Dolan is is a lot easier for me to have that stance. So, like, sometimes you got to take the risk without knowing, right? you got to take a leap of faith. Uh, otherwise, you might die like an old man filled with regret. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, uh, that's that's just me, though. I, I don't know. I, I, I have a really tough time answering those questions because I don't think it's as simple as, like, what well, would you trade for Joel Embiid? Like, yeah, sure, in the right scenario. Like, to me, there's, like, there's maybe three guys that I'd just be, like, doesn't really matter to me what the cost is. You just trade for him. It's like Jokic, Giannis. I don't even. I don't even think you can say this about Luca yet. So maybe it's just those two guys right now. Like obviously, prime LeBron would have been one. You know, prime Steph, but Steph is what thirty-five now. Like you can't do that. You so, want to do it for Steph right now? It's too old, man. It just worries me. The age stuff. Like, I, what am I doing? Like, I'm gonna get Steph, then I have. Trade Brunson. I got to do all these things. I got to. Yeah, that's also he's a guard. The yeah. same reason Dame shouldn't be. Yeah, like if like if this is I fucking hate Miami because it's like perfect for them. This is like the perfect guy that could come available on the market, right? Oh, we have Jimmy Butler. Oh, we have Bam. All we need is like this fucking nuclear shooting guard, and who all of a sudden comes to the market is Damian Lillard, who apparently is like. I have to go to Miami. Trade me to Miami. I don't run from the grind unless it's on South Beach. <laughs> yeah, he meant a different kind of grind. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, I mean, that's just how, I don't know. You probably feel much differently than I do about this, though. About, no, I think Portland should tell Dame to fuck himself. No, not that. Not, no, that I think we both agree on. Uh, but with regard to Embiid, I meant. Um, I think I'm, I agree with you. Um, I think that next year, that is probably when they're kind of... I think that makes sense. Like, next year or midway through the season, maybe at the earliest. Next year is when they have to be, like... Especially if, like, if Grimes and Quickly and RJ are just nice players who aren't... Who, who don't get you there, you know? who don't. There's still something missing. They'll have to look at it. If Randall is still the same player, right? You know very good in the regular season, but a defensive liability and, and can't um, can't score efficiently in the playoffs. I do think, yeah, having one more year matters. Um, and then also, if you get that guy, right? Um, here's the other thing. Do you think there's any chance, because of the relationship Brunson has with the Knicks front office and his dad being on the staff and all of that, you know, let's say they get a guy and it would help them Brunson to, you know, opt in for a year, and they're like, "Well, like kind of what, what happened with Josh Hart, right? Like, wink, wink, opt in." We we are all assuming that Josh Hart's going to get an extension, even if that doesn't happen. You can assume Brunson would have that kind of cachet. Do you think there's any chance? Like, how much wiggle room would that give the Knicks if there's something that could happen that summer? You mean next summer? No, I, I, well, he he can't opt out next summer, right? He would opt out the year after that. Embiid, right? You're saying? No, no, uh, Brunson. Sorry, Brunson. Yeah, no. Um, I'm talking about the the kind of time limit that we have. I think that's a, that's a big point that a lot of people well, make. Can we just be real about the Brunson thing? Where it's like, yeah, I know he can opt out and all this shit. But like, do we really think that? 
like we're not nobody's worried about this for real, right? Like we're all yeah, like Brunson's probably gonna we'll probably figure that out and get that squared away. Like Well that's what I'm saying. Do you think he would opt in for a year like Josh Hart if we say we'll give you an extension like almost immediately, just have it kick in the year afterwards? And maybe I mean, maybe I, I think there's maybe an, a potential, you know, maybe Leon lets him know that, hey, I don't worry. Uh, look at my will. I left you a little extra piece that I wasn't planning on doing. Um, I, I'm i just very unconcerned about the Brunson piece because I do think... Because it looks like that's what happened with Hart, right? Like, him opting in. Yeah, I mean, Hart's a little bit different. Like, I don't... There was this whole thing of like, oh, you, what, like, who was bidding up for Josh Hart? Honestly, like... The guy is really good, but it's like he's a wing who doesn't quite shoot the three that well. You know, he's it just it was a weird thing where I'm like, I don't really see the market he's for him. Undersized, right? Yeah, he's undersized. Um, so I kind of I don't know if that's the same. I don't even know what it, the other thing is. I don't know what they could extend Brunson at. Like I don't know what his number is because with Hart, he has a max extension. Of four years, eighty-one million. Now that he can take after the the um, the opt-in, so it's it's one hundred forty percent. Your first year salary can be one hundred and forty percent of what your previous year. So, like, if if Brunson opts in, then they can give him an extension at one hundred and forty percent of whatever that number is. It would start at one hundred forty. What under? I can't imagine he would do that because one hundred and forty percent of I think that year is like twenty four or something. Um, I can look it up right now, but I mean, what's one hundred forty percent of twenty four? It's but it's like thirty two. Yeah, it's not taking an extension starting at thirty two because he's worth more than that, you know. Um, it's, so it's, that one's a little tough for me to see. Yeah, it's the player option is twenty four point nine, so twenty five basically. It's a little bit more. Say thirty three, thirty three and a half, whatever. Um, I don't know. I. A four-year extension starting at 33 and a half is what, like, it probably ends up being like uh, 140, 145, 150 million, something like that. Is that yeah. something that you would do? Um, I mean, I would do that. I, yeah, I, I would be very interested in that. If Leon wants to give me $150 million, I'm down. Um, but is that something that Brunson would do? Is that something that Brunson would be comfortable with? So the, as the cap gets bigger these kind of differences also get bigger, right? So. Yeah, it just, it's... I mean, the, the, I would gladly give him that extension. I think the Knicks would gladly give him that extension. It's just Yeah, like, would you give But he could probably get... Yeah, well, he, at that point, we're assuming if he keeps doing this for two more years, especially yeah, the second half of last season, he'd probably be eligible for four for 200 or something. Right? So. Yeah, he'd look at 40-plus mil a year. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that's... That's just me. But yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of, I I think that'll sort itself out. But you know, the Knicks do have to. I think the Randall part is a lot more tricky than than the Brunson one because this is kind of why I have you know I said I would trade Randall, but it was up to me this offseason because this is his peak trade value as far as I'm concerned. You know, um, you're getting two years left on his contract. He's just coming off an All NBA season, a second one. Um, I don't know. I would consider trading him, but I get why they didn't. I don't think it's an unreasonable choice. I think it's a very tricky thing, and um, yeah, we'll see where it goes from there. Um, I do want to uh, mention that there is um, 
a situation brewing north of the border. Pascal Siakam uh, apparently doesn't want to get traded, and he won't extend anywhere he's traded to. My theory on this is that he actually doesn't give a shit about staying in Toronto necessarily, but he wants to play out the year there. If he gets All-NBA, he would become Supermax eligible, I believe, um, for Toronto, and only Toronto. He's only Supermax eligible if he stays in Toronto. And I think either way, he's going to hit the unrestricted market. That's what I think he wants. And so I think he's putting out there that he's not interested in extending with anybody else purely because of that. Now, whether a team would call his bluff and trade for him anyway and be like, well, once he can't get the Supermax, because he can't get it once he gets traded... We'll give him a max extension. He'll take it. I don't know, but I know we know that Toronto hasn't offered him a max extension yet, which apparently is a point of contention. Um, but if they haven't offered it to me yet, maybe they know that that he wouldn't take it because he wants to play out this year and see if he can get the super max. Yeah, enter unrestricted free agents. So. Yeah, and he'll be the best free agent on the market because Dejounte Murray extended, so there's really no competition for that. Like it'll be Pascal Siakam. Also, Dejounte Murray isn't very good. Agreed. Um, I, I'm very curious about Pascal because I think he, even Randall, like, it's really funny. Their resume is basically the same. Like, they both have two All NBAs. They both have two All Star appearances. They both won uh, Most Improved Player at one point in their careers. I mean, one of them has a ring. Yeah, I mean, one of them played Kawhi, which is nice. Um, Didn't. Randall never played with. Randall played with Kobe. I mean, really? Did he play with Kobe, or did he play with like the memory of Kobe? He also did. He like broke his leg like seven seconds into that. Um, it is he funny about Kobe in his players' tribune article. It is. It is funny to look back at like Kobe's sixty-point game, his last game of his career. It's like all those like random Lakers on the team. <laughs> yeah, was it like Jordan Clarkson and was Lonzo on the team or? I uh, no, he wasn't. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson definitely was, right? D'Lo was on the team. Yeah. <laughs> Randall. I think Nance was on the team. Yeah, they had they drafted well. Yeah. And they still do. They got Austin Reeves undrafted. They got uh, Max Christie looking good. I actually like him last year, too. But... Yeah, I think talent, um, talent identification has been strong for the Lakers for a while. Yeah, I, I don't know. This Pascal thing is interesting to me because I just wonder, like, I wonder if there'll be more players that do this. And also, um, I mean, it's not just there, right? Like, I think there's also a hang-up now with... The Jalen Brown thing in, in Boston is interesting to me, too, because, like, why is he signed a super accident? But to go back to the Toronto thing, the reason why I find it interesting um, is because it's something I'd be interested in. No, uh, it's, it's because OG Ananobi is also sitting there. He also, um, to my knowledge has not either been extended enough, like he's not been offered an extension, and I don't think he has any interest in taking an extension because why would he? He can probably get more on the market than a four-year, $117 million extension. And I think he believes there's an opportunity if Siakam gets traded for him to be the second option and get the type of usage and on-ball stuff that he wants and maybe net himself a bigger payday but this is also, funny enough, the reason um, I think Pascal and OG are interesting is they've 
their like markets in terms of trade markets are kind of nuked because Pascal's putting out there right that I I don't, I'm not going to extend anywhere or whatever. So if I'm a team trading for him, it's like, well, why am I trading for this guy? He doesn't want to fucking extend anywhere. And then, so I'm risking him going out in free agency. Somebody's going to give him a max fucking offer because he's the best guy out there and there's a bunch of fucking cap space out there to be given now. Like, somebody's going to give him a max. This is why OG is so weird to me because there are people that really want to trade for him. And I understand that, even if I disagree with some of it. But, like, when I see stuff like trade quickly and Fournier in two picks or trade RJ in two or three picks, I'm like, what are we doing? Like, if you do that, you're telegraphing to the market, like, hey, look at how much value I gave up for this guy. Now there's all this pressure. You have to keep that player, right? And all it takes is one team coming in being like, we'll give him a max. And now it's like, okay, well, shit, do I have to give him a fucking max now? Like, is he like that's it? That's the only way he's gonna stay. So I think both these guys have nuked their trade market. Like, I, I why? What is the argument in trading for OG and Obi at this point, especially at the type of ask that Masai has? Yeah, I, it's a weird situation. Um, do you think Masai backs down? I think that's the only kind of reasonable thing that could happen. I think he will trade Pascal. I and don't then, think he's going to trade OG. So he'd rather trade Pascal and pay OG than pay Pascal and get pennies in the dollar for OG. Well, the tell is like Scotty Barnes, right? What do you mean? It's like Pascal and Scotty Barnes make absolutely no sense together. Right, like... Well, I mean, OG's like, but OG isn't that like he can shoot. Yeah, so I mean, Pascal Siakam's not a bad shooter. He just He's... best with the ball in his hands, which but OG wants the ball in his hands. So don't you run into the same problems at this at that point? Right, but you he would be if you get rid of Pascal, then he and Fred Fred's gone. So like he is your second option, probably. Sadly, yeah, that's not really a great position to be in unless you got a haul for Pascal, right? It's not, but this is what I imagine Masai is going to do. Like, so, I just can't where see do you, him not doing it. Where does he go, right? Like, I think Portland's always been an interesting place, but does Pascal for a Dame trade work? Um, do you need to find a third team? I don't know. I think OKC would be fun. If that's Pascal, and, and the spacing might be, you yourself said today, right? Um, we got your board. We got you. We got your. Yeah, he's the, the worst, worst player, player ever because yeah. he can't. Uh, he, <laughs> well, would you worry about the spacing at that point? Is actually the real. I mean, it'd be fun if he was with. Yes, Jeff, I would worry about. I would worry about the spacing, but I also. And they still have. There's still not have a lot of things. evidence over the years that Sam Presti cares too much about spacing, or at least to the point that he. I think he's one of those. Give me the talent. Well, that's been when they're tanking, Guys. right? But I think that they did. Pro- I mean, no, when they had when they, they had Russ and Katie, look at some of those teams, man. He never he never prioritized going out and getting shooters. Like if you actually think about, well, it. I, I think he couldn't find two way players. He was in a lot of the same. He could have gone. He could have gone J.R. Smith and Shumpert. At the same deadline, the Cavs got J.R. Smith and Shumpert. Yeah, but Shumpert he chose. Shumpert he chose to get. He chose to get penis cancer, and <laughs> and. Uh, and what's his name? Didn't he get like Alex Sabrinas though? Like he was more of a shooter than well, certainly Shumpert. And, and Smith was 
I think Alex Sabrinas hadn't proven anything. And like, my point is, he never valued getting those three and D wings. He's never valued the spacing, right? Well, like, those are well. You can say the same about Leon Adams. Rose because they're just not easy to get, right? I mean, no, no but he, but Leon Rose is clearly valued shooting. Presti, yeah, think, Presti is like, look at the. I mean, yeah, you can say the draft. I mean, right? I would say my my point is kind of like Ibaka that they clearly had the vision for him to be a stretch five or stretch four even for a long time, whereas a lot of other GMs might have developed him more as a paint bound guy, right? Um, you know, they. I think with Westbrook, your spacing is always compromised, but that's fair. Like, you can say that I don't think they had many opportunities to add a true impact 3 and D wing. Um, they traded a guy who was 6'5 and a pretty good shooter, and that didn't work out as well. But they, they traded him, they got Lamb back, you know. Um, I don't necessarily know that I agree with Jeremy Lamb hype. Than Jeremy with, Lamb hype now. with the idea that Presti wouldn't care about spacing. I don't, I think he cares about spacing, but I also think he's a talent. Like, to me, he's on first. Yeah, he's like, later. give me, give me the talent, and then I'll figure out how to get my shooters and all that stuff. Like, Maury's lot. Maury's like that too. He's talked about this openly, where he's just like, give me the stars, and I'll just figure it out around the stars, um, which is going really well for him in Philly. He's figured out a lot. <laughs> um, no, I, Pascal's just. I I don't really see the clean fit for him that a t- like of a team that would really give a value for him. Like the Bulls would actually be interesting, but what are they giving up? You know, like. You're going to do Levine. Levine. But, like, why would the Raptors want Levine? I don't know. Oh, it's a replacement for Fred. Nice shooter to pair with Scotty. You sound really convincing. No, I mean, I, I don't know that there are a lot of good... Well, I, I think that that could work. I actually do think um, Scotty Barnes next to says Levine would be good, right? Somebody to co-handle the ball, but also be a shooting threat. Um... You know, would Siakam work in San Antonio? You know, something around, like, uh, who is there? Sohan? Sohan, Keldon Johnson, that's what I was thinking of. And I mean, a few firsts. It'd be, I mean, that would be an interesting... A Siakam-Wemby front line would be interesting. Do you have the guard plated to complement it? I don't know, but they have, again, they have Wemby on a, a rookie deal. Yes, number one pick money, but still, you know, they have some flexibility there. Yeah, I mean, they'd be, be interesting. I think that the Pacers have been connected with them. That one is so odd to me, though, because it's like they just traded for OB. They also drafted Jairus Walker. Who I don't I think, think trading two seconds for OB constrains them. No, it, it doesn't. It's just like, what? I mean, is OB going out in the trade? If not, did you just trade like... Like, I mean, is he... So then you're going to trade Jairus? Like, I, I don't understand. I'm not just, just not sure about any of that. Like, you know, I... Where's the fit there? Um, that one is just odd to me, and I don't. If I'm the Pacers, I'm not really interested in. I don't know. Again, I know this next draft is not highly valued, so like, I think they're going to be pretty decent, regardless. Like, I think they're going to be a pretty solid team. Are you saying you buy? Think Hall- Tyrese Halliburton is a, a good player? Yes, I do think he's a good player. Um, I also think he's a wow. fucking loser. Um, uh, way to be a flip flopper. Yeah, I know, but. Like, I mean, what, they have Halliburton, they have Healed. I think got, Matherin will take a leap, too. Yeah, I like Matherin. I think people are actually sleeping on Matherin a little bit weirdly, just because it's like, he kind of got he's, off to such a hot start that I almost feel like, it's like, all right, now, like, everybody moved on to, like, the next thing. Uh, I think he's going to be really good. I still He's think, a little bit of a one-trick pony, but he's an advanced shooter for a young player. Um, he's also just and, so fucking athletic. Yeah. 
Well, that's the thing. But, like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's a good combo. And, I, like, his defense wasn't great last year, but Their entire team's definitely defense was sucks. better than I expected. What? They have, like, one good defender on the team. It's like Miles, Miles Turner. They have a second one now because they drafted You don't buy Locker. Halliburton's, uh, all the steals he gets and all that? It's I, I buy, I only buy uh, Halliburton stock, you know? Yeah, like, buying Halliburton stock, like, it's February 2003. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I think their roster is, like, good. Like, it. It, it makes sense. I don't think they're going to defend very well at all, but they're fast. They're athletic. They're going to get a bunch of fucking threes up. They're going to be a tough team to cover in transition. Carlisle knows how to coach everybody up. Um, I, I don't. I, what am I doing, Siakam? You know, like Atlanta keeps getting rumored. I'm like, what the fuck would I want from Atlanta if I'm Toronto? I want DeAndre Hunter. Oh, we've no. got some feedback here on, on so. Coach CR six seventeen, thanks for the comment. Says maybe they can trade Pascal to GS for Wiggins. Why would why would the Warriors do that? Because they already have serious cap issues, which is the main reason why they dumped the pool contract. So you'd have to that'd be fun though. Pascal, yeah. Draymond, uh, Steph, and Clay and. Yeah, but then, but it would, but then you also have to like pay him a shit ton next summer when you all, I mean, their owner already came out and said, um, they want to make sure Clay retires there for life. Look, he's not going to make 43 million ever again in his career in a single season. Um, but Pascal would be fun. I mean, he would make a lot of sense there. I just don't think they do it. Like, I, what about Pascal for Cat? Something around that. Because Toronto does, if you have all these good wing defenders, I like that. I like that. I actually think that might work for both. Because Cat, if so, Toronto would need to believe Cat can work at the floor next to Pirtle. I don't even know if I, I'm envisioning this between like him next to Scotty and OG, and so he helps them with like them not being the best spacing combo, and they help him with being able to you know have good perimeter. Like I think you need to, to like surround play him defense. With, yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Which I mean, Minnesota's trying to do that. They have Jade McDaniel's. Obviously, tried to surround with, but like the idea of that, like you have to like Cat has to play the rim protector role, which he's not. That's not his worst quality, by the way. His worst quality is like doing literally anything else on defense. But if you surround him with switchy guys, then he can just be. If you watched Michigan last year, Hunter Dickinson and just be big and big be at the rim. And this isn't college, and in the playoffs, it still hurts. But that's where you need it to work. But it's also like that is the kind of team that can benefit most from like a spacing five, right? So, and I, if, if it's Pirtle, like it's in the way, then fucking trade him. Trade him for like I don't know Jordan Poole or something. I, I don't. Well, you probably want a good defender, so you know, trade him. But you can you can find trade him for like DeAnthony Melton or something, right? So that cool. bad example, they have they have ten thousand bigs on their roster. But you, the point is, you can you can turn Pirtle into something else if you. Even if you don't believe that, right? But it's for not the, really good Bears contract, right? But for the time being, you'd have to be like be in on the idea of them playing together, which is pop. I mean, I I think it's too soon to declare the. I don't look. I don't think. I think the Rudy Gobert trade is a disaster. But I think it's too soon to declare that Cat and Gobert together isn't functional. Like I think they can probably function together. Not at a championship level, which isn't a, which why that trade well, is a mess. It's also, but like, the yeah. other thing is if your best player is a, I mean Anthony uh, Edwards is a really good pull up shooter, but you want him attacking the rim. 
that's another kind of complication there, right? Like, is is a lineup with Ant and Gobert ever going to be more than the sum of its parts? It's tough for me to see that. I mean, worked with with um, Donald Mitchell, but I don't know. Yeah, I I just like the idea of Pascal in Minnesota a lot. So if they can't get picks, I from Toronto's case, like if you can't get picks, then it would just be worth it. But again, we run into this problem in Minnesota. Minnesota has cap issues. And so like they are trying, they're going to have a bunch next summer. Do they really want to have to deal with paying Pascal a new long-term contract next summer when they already... You know, cat paying Cat $60 million or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, they are, but they're going to be adding whatever. I mean, Pascal's a 36 right now, I think. So he's probably wants at least 45. Maybe fifty. Yeah, but it's still that's still better than what you're sending out. It's still better, but it's like I don't know. That one to me is still. So you think if they trade Cat, it'd be more likely for expiring contracts? No, I I I don't know. Maybe they would do it just because he's a he's probably the best player you could potentially get for Cat. I can't imagine another team giving you a four that makes at least some sense. Like the spacing is a little. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't think Portland would do that. Cat for Dame? I mean, Cat next to Simon, they're going to have up 150 points. Can't uh, mix any so of those guys, man. Fucking, Jaden Sharp's not defending anybody right now either. Yeah, but they'd be fun on offense. Like, oh, they'd Simons be fun on offense. five out would be pretty unstoppable. But it's, I, I wouldn't do that if I was Portland. I'd be like, that's fine. You can keep your shitty cat and <laughs> I'll keep rebuilding with my young shitty guys. Cat, shitty cat, shitty cat. Yeah, I mean, that one is... Whatever. I, Toronto is just like they—they they haven't picked any path. They just keep fucking trying. They keep trying to project like this position of strength. Like, oh, we don't care. We control all. We control everything here. You know, we're we're fine holding him into free agency. And it's like, dude, you just fucking lost Fred Van Fleet for nothing. You lost Lowry last summer for fucking. You know, okay, yeah. You want to pretend Precious Chua in a second round pick of some great haul? Like, go for it. But get real. Um, and and I think they're going to lose. They're probably. I mean, they're in a position where they could lose Pascal and OG next summer for nothing. Like, how does I don't know how you allow yourself to get into this position. It seems like Masai has just not picked a path at all, and that's he's just been like not capable of making tough decisions. Um, he's constantly just kept betting on continuity, betting on continuity. And the one time he traded for somebody, he traded for Pirtle at the deadline, which made no fucking sense to me. I think that was just like, yeah, what you can, right? Seems really like very good decision making. Um, I mean, I think sometimes GMs who want to wait it out and not take a big, you know, the Knicks get criticized for maybe getting the KP done deal, deal done early. Um, but, you know, like maybe if the Knicks, for example, that 19th pick that ended up becoming the Charlotte pick and then ended up becoming um, Cam Reddish, you know, maybe if they had had their plan earlier in the draft or they, they, they took a little bit of a discount, they could have gotten something better, right? Sometimes waiting can put you in a situation where you do have to do a little weird thing if you're going about value above all, right, instead of fit or instead of. Uh, you know, sometimes it can backfire. On aggregate, I think it works out for the, the front offices that take that view, but, you know, you're always going to have those kind of exceptions. Yep. Um, 
I think that's fair. I just, to me, when you like, they, all they're doing it, it, since they've won the championship to me is bleed talent. Like they've just kept bleeding talent, and I think it's fine if you're recouping value in some way for it. But they don't seem interested in that, or they haven't been committed to it, and they haven't done it. So I'm very, very interested to see how they manage the rest of this offseason because. From the outside looking in, they just look like a fucking mess. Um, which, ironically, you know, to kind of maybe end on this, the Jalen Brown thing is pretty interesting to me. He still hasn't signed his extension. He was in Vegas with, like, their team execs were also at the time. This feels weird, right? Like, he hasn't extended yet, but every Boston... A person with Boston connections, like, yeah, no, there's nothing to worry about. He's totally going to extend Supermax, and I'm just like, eh, is it? Is that it? Like, he just, and then he's like, when I'm, he's now in Europe or something, so like, oh, he's not going to talk until he gets back. It just feels like uh, it, that. Just seems off. It seems he just off. landed in Europe, man. Shopping bags is a tourist. Man. Um, <laughs> the yeah, it's always weird with Boston. Like, when's the last time it went smoothly for them with a with a star? Kyrie thing was a disaster. Um, I don't know. Um, it's from what I've heard. It's like they're like they both want to get it done and extend. Um, I, I'm not too. I, I like them saying that, and like I think that if there was something that Jalen Brown wanted to get off his chest to demand a trade or to get somewhere else, we would have heard it. This isn't exactly a guy who's shy about being weird. Um, so. I don't know. I mean, it might not be a demand, though. Like, it might not be... It might be, hey, I want the Supermax. And they're like, well, what if we give you, like, a little bit less than the Supermax? Well, it'll still go five years, but it'll be less than the full Supermax we can do. And he's like, no, no, I want the full Supermax. And so they're doing this whole negotiation. And what if, like, first. But I think someone's well, going to blink. But what if, what if it's not about blinking? What if the Celtics are, like, quietly, like, all right, well, we'll do this negotiation with Jalen Brown. Uh, but... Let's see I, what we can get. Yeah, quietly shopping him around because, like, look, I've 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 said this before to you on the spot. Like, I just think if you can trade Jalen Brown for Damian Lillard or trade Jalen Brown for shit that helps you get Damian Lillard, you should one thousand percent do that if you're Boston. Like, if you get a chance to pair Damian Lillard with Jason Tatum, you should do that, and you should feel really really good about doing that. If you can pair Dame with Jason Tatum, yeah, I mean Jason Tatum's twenty five, Dame's thirty three. I know he's a little, he's obviously a little older, but he had a fucking monster season last year. We know he's not a Harden, right? He takes care of himself. He's like, you know, he he's not spending fucking two months in Paris pretending to be like a fashion icon while wearing the most disgusting array of clothing possible. Um, that's not what he's doing, and. Your biggest issue has been end game offense and all this like your offense gets super clunky then in games. He fixes that. I think they I really feel like this lack of ball handling they have now is an even bigger issue after getting Porzingis. Like he's a guy that needs a guard. But he, he can do step back behind the back crossover at seven three. Haven't you seen the clips? I mean he did win the skills challenge. Won the skills challenge over Gordon Hayward, Boston so, legend. Yes. Uh, Celtics legend Gordon Hayward. I, to me, it's just that team 
Boston, the more as this offseason has gone on, the less I like what they've done so far. Like, they're not fucked or anything like that because they have all their picks. They have future picks they acquired. And obviously, they have good players. But it just feels off. I don't like it. Something is weird with that team. I'm out on them as currently constructed. I don't think they're a contender. I think KP next to Brown, Tatum, White, and. For seven games a year. It's the creation, right? That's the kind of what it comes back to. But I, I mean, why not get a guy like Cam? I'm not saying campaign's going to pro- solve their problems, but you think campaign's the missing piece? Well, I think you there are guys like that available, or maybe you give pressure to bigger role. I don't know. But um, like, isn't but like this is kind of where I'm at. Like, okay, look, think of it. The last championship teams we've seen, right? So this past year, it was obviously Denver. Year before is Golden State. Year before it is the Milwaukee. Lakers, Milwaukee. Yeah, then it was the Lakers. Before that it was the Lakers. Before that it was the Raptors. Before like all these teams, right? Raptors had Lowry. Milwaukee had Drew, and they have and they have Giannis, which is just like its own fucking thing. Um, Lakers had LeBron again, its own thing. Um. Why Golden State had Steph, and but so but can Tatum be one of like LeBron is an otherworldly passer, but J- Tatum's a good passer. Like, is it just not, the rim pressure that changes the equation for him trying to beat? Like, I'm not saying he's there's other things that LeBron are better at than too, but can Tatum play you heard that role here, as folks. the big? You heard here first, guys. Stacy doesn't think LeBron is better than Tatum at anything other than getting to the rim. Uh, the point <laughs> is if he if you and balding. But if the idea is that you need like some kind of a really trustworthy ball handler, you know, is it is it too? I mean, I think it's too early to say Tatum can't be that. But, I think it helps. But you're you're, you're, to, you're good year. enough to win now, right? You're. I mean, the way they've operated. And it's worth mentioning that Giannis does have Drew. LeBron had Rondo that year, who was still functional as as a pretty good ball handler. Are you Are you Mark Jackson? <laughs> um, but, but like they, they these teams have surrounded these guys with more capable guards. Like, Drew is a more capable guard than anyone on the Boston roster. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, like you, I don't think you necessarily need somebody as good as Dame. But I also would say that I don't think Tatum is as good as Giannis, obviously. I don't think Tatum is as good as LeBron. At least... Even now? And now is... LeBron is it's too impossible for me to, like... It, it Rating him now is very, very difficult. Like, I... I don't fully understand it. He's safe to say he's still very, very, very good. If you want to say Tatum is better than him, fine. If you want to say he's better than Tatum, fine. I, I don't have any strong feelings about that. Um, but at that point... But, uh, when they won the championship, LeBron yeah, was Yeah, LeBron better. was definitely better. I think Kawhi is obviously better. But And Kawhi had Lowry, right? Kawhi had Lowry. Lowry's a better point guard than any point guard that... you know smart. He's better than Smart. He's better than Derek Way. He's better than Malcolm Brogdon, for sure. He's better than these guys. Um... He's better than Pritchard, probably. I would guess. You know, well, can't be certain, but I think he'll be better than Pritchard. And like, you don't need necessarily a Dame, but you do need a better guard than than this. And they've also just had like, it's also hard to find the right balance when you have so much scoring tied up in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Like, if they could get Kyle Lowry, that would be awesome for them because Lowry would even in his old. Fucking annoying, flopping uh, fucking uh, state. I really don't want to 
points. Kyle Lowry at all. <laughs> series baby. But but like he would be perfect for them, right? Because he'd be like, I don't. I'll take seven shots. That's great. But I can handle the ball at the end of games. I can get you the ball when you need it, and get you into your spots when you need them. Playing to the refs and flop. Yeah, I can. I can bitch to the refs. I can be fat and annoying. Like I can check out for forty five percent of the season because I'm overweight. Come back after I hit Jenny Craig for a couple months, and I'll be good to go. Um, but like they don't have. I don't know. They just don't have a good enough creator, and like. Yeah, you can have all the spacing in the world with Porzingis and all these guys, but like, if you don't have that guy that you can trust in the end of games, or at least I can help Tatum more than the guys they've had, I just think it's a problem. And I also think I don't know if you can find the right balance with like the type of guard you probably need or the caliber of guard you need with Tatum and Brown requiring the usage they want, especially after getting Porzingis, which is why I would trade Brown. Like, I think... This is the best time to trade Brown. I would 100% trade Brown. If I knew, like, if I knew, if I Bro, called Brown Jordan, Siakam. I wouldn't do that. That would be funny. Um, if, if, like, if I were Boston and I called Portland, I was like, what would you need? Like, what, what do we need to give you to get Damian Lillard? And I don't think they would want Jalen Brown because Jalen Brown's a flight risk, right? There will be teams that will not think he's a flight risk or be comfortable just giving him a full max. Yeah, fuck it, we'll do it. If you can get enough shit from them to reroute and with your own package of shit to get Damian Lillard, I'm doing that. Because, yes, Tatum is young. Maybe Tatum can develop more as a ball handler or creator or whatever and get there in time. But they're good enough, or they're at least operating like they're good enough to win right now. So their window now, it has to be right now. And I do think getting Damian Lillard makes them, I think they'd be the best team in the East. Like at least they would have the highest ceiling in the East. Right here, right now. I think Brunson against Lillard would be a fun series. Um, do you think it would affect their defensive schemes much? Because they do like to switch a lot. Like they Isn't like it, they, they can't do that anyway now, right? Because K, you can't do that with KP. Uh, he's been he looks more spry. And like if it, most teams, you know. Most teams don't have the kind of guards. Like, sure, like once in a while he'll, he'll he'll get cooked, but it's like unless you're talking about like Brunson or that level of creator, and even then, like if it's just if your thing is just ISO your guard on Porzingis, I think like at this point, if I had Porzingis, I'd be like, be my guest. If I was really committed to switching, you don't have to do that, but I don't think he necessarily outlaws or out, outlaws. Uh, <laughs> what makes it uh makes it not feasible uh yeah i don't Precludes know if would, it. i don't know what the best way to i don't know if you would ban it um either but no i think i i don't know i can't see porzingis out on the you don't want him switching out a bunch on the perimeter and i just feel like with him and robert williams and horford like i don't really know how you can switch a bunch at this point um I don't know, and and then you also like if they wanted to keep switching, then I, then I really feel like letting Grant Williams go is a mistake, because he's a guy who's good in that scheme. Like he's a very valuable switch defender. So losing him makes no sense. And then you lost Smart too. Those two are probably, I mean, not the. I mean, Smart is maybe the key, the biggest key to the switching stuff, because he's a guard who can do a lot of the very annoying and fucking just soul-crushing things that Kyle Lowry does that makes him valuable defensively. Um, so, 
Yeah, I, I think I don't think they can do the switching thing anymore, and that's kind of why I wouldn't worry about it with Dame. Like, you've already compromised on what your defensive identity was. I think they've gone like they seem like really offensive oriented now, don't they? Yeah. Well, and I think, but I think yeah. they have everyone is a plus defense. Like, is Brogdon? I, I don't think he's a he's, he's a minus, but he's okay. You can like if he's your worst. If he's your worst defender, impact, impact stuff doesn't look good. But he plays on a team with good defense. Like he's a solid defender. He has good size. You can't really attack him. I, um, I think he's solid awareness. Like I don't see any red flags that pop out. I'm, really, but... I'm taking Malcolm Brogdon to the cup every fucking time. You person? Yeah, me. I'm doing it in my flag shirt. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not taking anybody to the cup anymore, or not that I ever did. But um, you wouldn't take two girls to one cup. <laughs> Jesus. Um, no, I just I don't know. I, the I just get Dame. Just go get Dame. Like I I think there are teams that are actually in position to get him that should want it's to get It's crazy him. this threat is working, right? I'm not going to come to work. Like, <laughs> call that bluff. You're going to say goodbye to, what, $120 million? Yeah, for four you're... years. Yeah, I'm, I'm not coming in. Okay, great. Bye. We're just going to bank It's out. like, you know what else people say when they're like, oh, my God, the next four years, I'm going to Canada until we get a new president. Nobody <laughs> fucking does. So yeah, nobody does that. Uh, and I don't think Dame is leaving either, and he has a lot more to lose than probably most of those people. Dude, I'm, I'm actually looking at places in Europe right now. I just <laughs> if Trump wins again, I'm out. All right, buddy. You tell yourself that. Uh, <laughs> best time to trade Brown for RJ. Uh, you keep dreaming about that, pal. I like this question. We can maybe close this. The, do the Knicks try to create cap space of Brown heads towards free agency? I don't know. It's- they would have to know that he's. Um, they'd have to like if they have the things in place. I don't think it's so much create. I don't think that they'll do the thing that the. Well, first of all, I don't think Brown is going to be that kind of free agent the way that like KD was or KD and Kyrie were. Like he's going to have a bidding war. Like th- like the decision days, I think, are over. I think if someone mm-hmm. is going to hit free agents, it's going to it's going to look a lot more like. Lonzo Ball or even Jalen Brunson did, even for like, especially for some of these, you know, second tier stars. Um, if the Knicks know that, if I would imagine that we don't want to insinuate that there's any tampering going on, of course. Never but happens. That's, but if somehow the Knicks had a very strong feeling that Jalen Brown was going to sign with them, they would make it. Even now, you even see that, like, but players, the t- players will announce I'm signing with this team, and the team is like, yeah, like we still have to work out the. But like, if they knew Brown was coming and they had to give up a first to like move off someone or a couple of guys, they'd do it, right? If you have to, but I, don't, I mean, I don't even know. I don't know who you end up. Um, I think the, the real question is if they are they looking at Jalen Brown hitting free agency and saying, okay, well. Would we rather deal with? I mean, would it be better for them to be dealing with Quickly's cap hold at that point or extending him? Right, those kind of things I think is more what it would impact. Um, I think this pretty much seals it. Jalen Brown's agent is Jason Glushan, Glushan Sports Management. He's also the agent for Jericho Sims and Dante Divincenzo. Jalen Brown will be a New York Knicks. 
No, I, I this stuff. It's always funny when people do this because I don't know how. I mean, it definitely matters, but I don't think it matters like as linearly as people like to project. Uh, it's a wazzy. It's a woozy. It's yeah, you got to do a lot of. It doesn't yeah, exist. You got to do a lot of cocaine, basically, to figure <laughs> it out. Uh, no, I mean they'd be they definitely be interested in Jalen Brown. Like hundred percent, they'd be interested in Jalen Brown. Just look at the profile of players they've been connected to this season, right? Um, Paul George, Zach Levine, like two-way wings that could... Ananobi. Yeah, like that can slot into, quite frankly, what the role that RJ's in right now. Like, just slide into that spot in the starting lineup. I don't know how I'd feel about that. Like, I... Jaden Brown is honestly one of the... He does so much stupid shit. Like, he's like an incredibly... Just his decision-making is... Tim and Julius Randle, let's just say, together, they would be a hell of a... Appointment viewing? Yeah, they would be very fun to watch for other teams at times. Um, obviously, he famously can't dribble left, apparently. <laughs> and and RJ can't can, dribble right. Yeah, so Perfectly is, balanced, as all things should be. <laughs> but the pull-up shooting is real. He does have like stretches where he goes crazy as a scorer, just gets super hot, and he's like fucking drops 20 in a second. Um, Defensively, I think he's become. It's. I'm not sure if he's overrated now or if he's rated fine because I feel like everybody now is of the opinion that he's overrated defensively, so he's probably rated fine now, uh, which seems about right. He's an average. Do you think he's like a better defender than RJ? Yes, I think Based his on. his top level when he's actually locked in defensively is like he's super disruptive on ball, especially. His his biggest problem is mostly off ball stuff. Like he just falls. Which is the same with RJ, right? Right. Um, he just gives you a higher ceiling on ball when he's, especially when he's really locked in. Like he's, you know, I've seen him really. I mean, he he had Harden and Hell in a couple of those games in possessions and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's there. I do think he's got a higher ceiling than RJ does, which is annoying to me because I don't like Chilton that much. But uh, he's just. He's developed so much as a shooter. RJ hasn't done that yet. I think they have similar issues in terms of their playmaking, where it's like they're capable, but they get tunnel vision. So it feels like an upgrade on RJ. I don't know how much of one. And it's like, what are you doing to create the cap space? Can you create the cap space? Would Boston engage you in a sign-and-trade possibility? You know, like, is that something they'd be interested in, for lack of a better word, or lack of better terms? But I don't know. We'll see what they do. Um Jalen Brown is probably a name to keep an eye on, but you know, as we know, Dante DiVincenzo will be recruiting him to the Knicks, so I don't think we need to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I guess Saquon didn't uh, sign an extension, so he's just playing on the franchise tag this year. That he happen. wants to. Well, that's interesting. I think as a lifelong Giants fan, I think they should give him. Um, it's done. It's past the 50. deadline. So so now it's just he's um now he's just franchised? Yes. Yeah. As a lifelong Giants fan, I would have hoped that they would have um, given him twenty million dollars a year. Um, running back um, is the most important position as most people know, and the Giants should continue to uh, be aware of that and, and continue to act that way. Uh, he doesn't have to go to training camp though, because he hasn't signed his tender yet. So he just only would lose game checks uh, if he just doesn't. Do you think B wouldn't do that? So it's I mean, maybe it's, it's gonna be the tag. 
Good stuff. Running back, uh, the running back. If I was a running back, I'd be like, oh, just I'm good. I'll come. I'll I'll stay in shape. Don't worry about me. But I'm not going to be participating in fucking training camp or preseason. I'll come for the last preseason game. Who's their backup even? I don't know. You could. I mean, the Rams proved you can get C.J. Anderson off the couch. Maybe they. Okay. I'm not, maybe like they can bring Bradshaw back. <laughs> Free Bradshaw. Bradshaw. Bradshaw and Jacobs, bring them how back. Old, how old Earth, Wind, and Fire coming back? <laughs> they have a running quarterback. Well, I, that's another thing. If you have a running quarterback, does that kind of decrease how much you... you can like, not fight. even trolling Giants fans anymore. Like, Danny Jones is a real running threat. I don't know how much you want to run him, but even like a few game, few times a game, if he's, you know, if he's keeping, you know, how much, like, I think that's part of the reason the Eagles let Miles Sanders go is like, we have a really good running QB, and I don't think Jones is that far behind for it's worth. He's he's fast, um, and a, a reasonably instinctive runner when he's not <laughs> falling on his face. Um, you know, I I think that's a legitimate question. Do you need a high end running back if you have a, a really good running quarterback? Yeah, I mean the other part is just like, like you said, you can always find running backs. I mean, you could probably find like Kareem Hunt's. I don't think he signed anywhere, right? But he just fucking sign his ass for a year. Yeah, There's but a bunch you don't of know the next person who's going to Kareem. Is, is that going <laughs> to be a linebacker? or? It's true. Um, yeah, I mean, there's but there's always dudes. Like, running back is the position where you really don't need to worry about it at all. Um, and yeah, like you said, especially if you have a running quarterback, there's always options. So uh, I would probably... I mean, <sighs> this is why drafting Saquon was always just stupid. Because it's like, you're never going to extend him, right? You're never gonna have the money's never gonna make sense to extend him. Just don't draft running backs top ten. Don't draft running backs in like the top twenty. I, I I'm okay with like late first. I get it, but even then, I just especially think. it's usually late first. Also, as a Super Bowl contender, that it's like, yeah, you're, like if you drafted your seventh defensive end, it's good, but he's not gonna get to play, right? That you could end up in the same boat, right? So it makes a little like if it's the Chiefs taking. A running back at the end, and it's like, oh yeah, Andy Reid is going to use him as a receiver, and probably, and they don't need anything else. They're stacked everywhere else. That's yeah. fine, right? but also helps when you just can like waste a pick like that because you have like Patrick Mahomes. Must be nice. Oh yeah, Clyde Edwards-Helaire. He actually sucks. Uh, don't worry about it. We found Isaiah Pacheco in round seven, which is I've, like an argument right there to not draft running backs in the, in the first. Round. I've drafted Clyde Edwards-Helaire in fantasy multiple times. Yeah, that sucks. Very quickly regretted it. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to end it where we just did random football talk for three minutes. Uh, all right. Uh, Stacy, let me know that I can find you and plug anything you'd like to plug. Um, find me at StacyPatton89 on Twitter. Um, I will plug. I did a pod with Miranda a couple days back on the Blue Knicks. Uh, got some interesting questions um, about the Knicks offseason. Um, the other thing I'll plug is. Whether you're a tennis fan or not, I would highly recommend going back and watching the Wimbledon final from yesterday. Uh, I've been watching tennis for over 20, 25 years. That was up there, one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. And just really fun. Uh, remember the name Carlos Alcaraz, uh, whether or not you're a tennis fan. So uh, other than that, nothing else to plug. Yeah. Um, I have nothing to plug myself so i'm going to plug um all of the wonderful work at the strickland i would also say yes the tennis match yesterday was very very fun uh i enjoyed watching novak djokovic lose although he was a good loser about it on uh, his after post-match speech uh 
but yeah, great match. And um, yeah, if you want to watch tennis, watch that match. It was very good. All right, that is our pod for today. I hope everybody has a great, great week. Uh, this show was brought to you by Bet Online, which is the number one source for everything betting. All right, again, that's our pod for today. Hope everybody has a great week, and I will see you on Friday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.